Hey, and welcome to Wrestling And. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Today, we are going to talk about Wrestling And. Vince McMahon. Yes, Vince McMahon. Vince retired a few days ago amid multiple allegations of hush money payments to uh, former lovers that he's had. Um, And we always knew that the day would come where Vince left. We weren't sure if he was, you know, not to be morbid here, but if it was going to be when he died or if he retired. But we definitely didn't think it would come this soon and out of nowhere. Um, So we're going to talk about Vince. We're going to talk about his life and who he was and some of his performances as a wrestler. Um, He's an icon and, you know, you could call him a legend among legends in the pro wrestling business. And, And... very polarizing figure, but love him or hate him, Vince McMahon is one of, if not the most important people in the history of wrestling business. So before we get to that, though, let's say hi to Mr. Justin in ring art. Justin, did you watch Death Before Dishonor? No, well, no, no, did not. I, I want to check it out at some. Maybe I'll check it out tomorrow. I, Was I, out and about today, and yesterday. Okay. Um. Was that Universal with the kids? Universal with some friends oh, from out yeah, of town. Oh yeah, you went to Universal. What's the yeah. best ride at Universal? We went on the Simpsons ride for the first time because every time we go, it's it's insanely packed in like now, 70, 80. Where we went on it twice. Today, yeah. <laughs> is it true that the Simpsons ride is an upgrade from the Back to the Future ride? I think so. I never went on the Back to the Future ride. I've oh, it was it. fun. I went on it in Florida. It was awesome. I mean, I think they still have it there. Um, you start in a room, and then your car kind of goes up, right? In the Back uh, to the Future one, yeah, you're in a car, and then there's, like, the screen in front, and you think you're, like, cruising through all this yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, a car. lot of their rides are like that, but um, the best ride is probably the Harry Potter ride um, that they have. Is it a coaster, or...? It's kind of a mix between the screen. You get in, your feet are dangling, and you're, like, flying with them on a broom. It's That's pretty awesome, actually. Sounds yeah, a little yeah, yeah. bit like the E.T. one from back in the day, where you're in the bicycle... It might be flying. the old area where it was. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, they just but, upgrade them. Um, Man, I really want to hit some good coasters. Uh, I am too fat right now, actually, to ride. I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, you know, I, I'm not, like, the size of Fluffy from, uh, you know, uh, Iglesias. But, like, yeah. no, like, it, they, like, if you're a certain weight, like, you can't even buckle the thing. You know what I mean? So I, I had guess, to lose yeah. some weight to. You, you can ride. I can ride the wooden coasters. Those are fine. But the uh, the the ones where your feet dangle. You know. Right. Yeah. So I, I need to get on that. Um. So, yeah. Death for Dishonor. Um. Not much to say about it. I didn't watch it either, Justin. But uh, I I did watch the first match, which was the World Championship match, and I was. It was weird. There were technical issues. That was the uh, first match? Yeah, that was the, the opener. Yeah. They opened with the world title match? Well, you got to understand okay. the main event, dude. It's it's FTR versus the Briscoes tag team. That was the main event? Okay. Well, that's, and, and yeah, I think sure. it's awesome that like the tag team wrestling is that pronounced where, or renowned where that's the main event. I've always wanted that. like, um, And so supposedly that match was even better than their last one, which was like fucking amazing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say this is a must-watch match. Your boy Dalton Castle won a championship tonight. Oh, yeah, cool. I like Dalton he, Castle. He won the uh, the trios, trios title with the boys. 
Oh, very cool. Who was? Oh, was it against Bateman and those guys, the Stray Dog oh, Army I don't or something? No, dude. Who Some group of people. <laughs> right. There's a lot of wrestlers I don't even know who they are in Ring of Honor, but I've heard they they had some people from the early 2000s come back. Uh, Jay Lethal lost to Samoa Joe. Um, you know, you had Serena. Jay's Deeb. tuning up for his match next week, right? I suppose. Who's he wrestling next week? Ric Flair. And, oh, Jay uh, Lethal. He's in that tag I match. thought we were talking yeah. about Samoa Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I thought you said Jay Lethal lost too. Yeah, he did. He lost to Samoa to... Joe. Right, right, right. Okay, so, um, but yeah, um, another well, thing, another thing that you're gonna ha- might have to check out, and I missed it last night, but I really want to watch it. Was the Stardom show from last night? Did you hear anything about it? No. No. Not a peep. No, I haven't heard. It's all gimmick matches. Okay, they did a so it's co- extreme did a, rules? Yeah, yeah. They did a, a hardcore match. They did a coffin match. They did a bikini match. They did a, um, what else did they do? They had, like, all sorts of stuff. Every match had a gimmick. They did, nice. like, a, a rumble or a battle royale. And uh, I heard it was really entertaining. So, um, Sounds like I, it. Isn't that a cool idea? Think of it. Sure. Well, it's called Extreme Rules. I mean, it's been done. But, I mean, for something, for, like, starting to do it, it sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very unique. Very unique. So, uh, definitely going to have to check that out. And, come on, let's be honest here. Extreme Rules, dude, nowadays they have, like, (laughs) one hardcore match on the show. TLC. Yeah, even, dude, I think they did a TLC match where there was no ladder match on it before. I'm pretty sure that's happened. I uh, wouldn't be surprised. It was called, yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, um... Real quick, Justin, let's uh, let's get into the meat of this here. Um, Vince, Vince McMahon, Kennedy e- McMahon. E- everyone knows who he is, and mm-hmm. if you don't, he uh, he is. It, it's hard to just describe him in one sentence, but I'll put it this way: he is the brains and number one leader and head of WWF and WWE, and has been for about forty years. Um, and is often credited with a lot of the big booms periods in wrestling in the 80s and in the Attitude Era. Of course, the wrestlers, they matter a lot, no discounting them, but this was the guy that was putting them in their positions, hiring them, and making those decisions. And recently, um, there was the scandal. Justin, why don't you talk about that real quick? Just, you know, don't well, spend too I, long on I it. mean... Uh, I'm not really surprised by any of it. I think people kind of knew that, you know, there was some kind of side to him like that. I don't think anyone was really surprised um, that this kind of stuff was coming out. Yeah. Um, Which is that he was basically having affairs and then paying women yeah, not to talk about I, it. Not illegal. Was, yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone was su- surprised by that stuff coming out. Um no, I, I don't know. I, you know, Vince McMahon's one of those guys where he is responsible for some of professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever you want to call it, uh, the greatest achievements he was behind, and also some of the biggest lows he's been behind, and the biggest, um, you know, downsides to it, and bad things. He's like on. He's so. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, 
polarizing, right? He is very polarizing, yeah. I mean... So he's everywhere so um, in with, terms of With it. wrestlers, with fans, with media. He's always right. been really polarizing. You have some wrestlers that'll come out and say, you know, he's the best guy in the world, like Mark Calloway. Right. And then you have guys that are like, fuck that asshole, you know, people like more like Bret Hart, right? And you, and you equally believe both of them, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's it's just really depends on uh, at what time you met him and at what time and what he thought of you. It's it's just, in, you know, it, like I said, it's like, I believe both of them. Yeah, yeah. And he is a character, dude. This guy is extremely unique as an individual. His personality, uh, the way he carries himself, and the way he runs business. There's really nobody like him that I've ever heard of. Um, no. So, I, I mean, it, it's very interesting um, what happened recently. You know, like you said, it's not a huge surprise. But after, like, the Me Too movement and all that stuff, you know, this kind of behavior is really hugely frowned upon. Even though it was not illegal, um, it's... Well, I guess we'll find out a little bit more of that later. It really depends on where the money was coming from. I know a lot of it is being said to be his own money. Um, but yeah. it's also the construction of these NDAs, how legal they were, and where the money was actually coming the, from. Yes, because it, it is a public company. and that's I It's think, a public company, yeah. That's, I think, what, what is the heart of this matter. And the reason that it was reported in the Wall Street Journal is, in a way, it's kind of considered business news because... Um, this publicly traded company, you have shares in the company, right? You want to know what's going on in the company and, you know, come to find out that this happened with the company that you are investing in. There's going to, there's going to be some issues there. I mean, I mean, there's definitely morality aspect of it where if you're the head of a company and you're paying women to be quiet about your, you know, relationships it's not i guess that's not really a good look for a publicly traded company when the ceo is doing stuff like that i guess um i you know it's just funny i just was you know talking maybe to you in the text but like i was talking probably with uh my buddy will who we went to uh universal with from new york i used to do the podcast with him and we were you know i was just telling him like i think it seems that people that to this extreme level of just like involvement in what they do Mm-hmm. And the high up people like this, their falls usually come hard and sudden. The the people that you don't think are ever going to stop often stop suddenly and out of nowhere. Yeah. And I think just this fits the mold here. I mean, in a way, I still don't believe it. I still feel like he's going to be on the phone making creative phone calls and all that stuff. And he's there's, there's going to well be no way... That this guy can put it down. What's he going to do in his spare time, Justin? Is he going to sit at home and watch TV? Fuck no. It, well, the first of all, it's going to wor- be... He's been working for 50 years straight with barely a break. And I mean, and that was his... He needs that purpose in his life. I have a feeling. Yeah. And unless somebody can send him a copy of Fire Pro real stat so he can start <laughs> booking that. I'd love uh, to see Vince get a, become a Twitch streamer and just get hardcore... <laughs> And he's like, well, yes, I this can is my see, favorite uh, character. You know, Conrad, I'm sure, is, you know, chomping at the bit to get him to have a podcast. Could you imagine that? That oh, would be, God. that might be the most downloaded podcast ever if Vince McMahon gets one. Forget yeah, it. I, I have a feeling that Vince. Forget, not even wrestling, like all time, anything. 
you know, Vince is going to be a WWE guy till the day he dies, man. And uh, I have a feeling he will uh, follow a lot of the same rules and structure that he's been doing for the last 40 years. I mean, but he's not going to take Linda and go on a long holiday. We know that. No, no. They so, don't, supposedly like, don't even live together. Um, so And they haven't for years, for allegedly. Years. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, before talking about the future, let's jump to the past here. Um, born in, his birthday's coming up, actually. Um, born okay. in, uh, in, in one month. He was born on August 24th, 1945, in Pinehurst, mm. uh, North Carolina. So, this is a, a, a interesting thing. You know, we, we've heard the stories that he grew up in a trailer park, right? Yeah, as a, with to a single mother. Uh, to and and you often hear about the relationship he had with his father. For those that don't know, his dad was also Vince McMahon, Vincent McMahon, and his dad uh, ran the CWC. A lot of people say, "Oh, the WWF." No, CWC was like the business that owned and governed WWF and his dad. But uh, he didn't even meet his dad till he was twelve. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine? I mean, I know we're going to talk about some things with Vince and some parenting issues, but this is a guy who was basically raised by a single mother, in, and I believe he's had, he has siblings Stepfather, as well. Stepfather at times. Yeah, and he didn't have the most um, ideal upbringing. Um, and then he had this dad that was, you know, relatively somewhat famous in a way and didn't really come really into successful. his life until... Yeah, until he, you know, hit those pubescent years. Yeah, it's pretty interesting there. And, and in fact, when he was growing up, he wasn't called Vince McMahon. He was, uh, his name was Vinnie Lupton. So, th that that's, he had uh, multiple stepfathers, by the way, but it's Vinnie Lupton, um, single mother with some stepfathers here and there, and just growing up. Now, after he met his dad, you know, he, he did get interested and and why wouldn't you be right like you're living in a trailer park and then your dad is doing all this badass shit at madison square garden of course you're gonna want to gravitate towards the dad right so um uh, he, yeah yeah he followed in uh he wanted to follow in the footsteps and started going to madison square garden and actually he wanted to be a wrestler did you know that doesn't surprise me and i think i have heard that before but if you've ever seen Vince McMahon and you have the idea that he might have wanted to do that I feel like his dream did kind of come true though actually it did come true it really did come true he, he did oh, become a sure. performer and a wrestler but his dad actually would not let him because back then the idea was that promoters they they are not on the show promoters are backstage and should be separate from the wrestlers and and the promoter is a backstage like a business entity so mm -hmm. that that's why his dad was like nah if we're doing promotion we're not going to do wrestling so that 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 line was very demarcated back then you know what i mean there wasn't it's not like it was today where where you know he, you know even tony khan like doesn't appear on dynamite but he's doing press conferences after every show very different back right. in the day. Or he comes out there with kind of screaming and yelling. But yeah, no, um, he probably wouldn't even know who they were. I mean, it was really like that until, I mean, you know, probably the late 70s, right? Yeah, yeah, 80s, late 70s, 80s. And it's a lot like, like boxing, right? 
like even a little different now because boxing promoters are often like have become celebrities like don king but i mean you know if i told you about the professional fight league the pfl um you know and asked you who's the promoter of that it's like i don't know that's not a figure that appears on screen that's a business person in the background yeah um, well now you have guys like dana white and it's kind of I mean, changed right yeah it has i and think even in know, other businesses like elon musk like that you have the ceo celebrity thing yeah yeah i mean there's a face to everything yeah um but you know back in the day i think the thought was like you know i'm not here to be a celebrity i'm here to run a business type of thing so um uh, mcmahon did go to a, I think a military high school and he did graduate from East Carolina University with a business degree. Um, he actually tried to be a traveling salesman for a little bit. I would love to see a young Vince selling Bibles, you know. Or vacuum cleaners. Yeah, vacuum cleaners. Just uh, I don't know if he had his rough voice back then. In fact, I'm pretty it's sure he did. It's going to suck. <laughs> oh, I would love that. Um but he really, like, he wanted to get into the WWF, WWWF, um, or the mm -hmm. CW. Worldwide. Yeah, worldwide. Um, and he actually kind of, he did get into it. And in 1969, McMahon started as an in-ring announcer um, for All-Star Wrestling, which was a WWWF show. That's hard to say. We're so used to saying WWF, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, now E... I guess. Yeah, get the F out. In 1971, Vince was assigned to a small territory in Maine, and he started promoting, and he did his first card there. And he started doing the play-by-play -play commentator for his matches, which he did until 1997, Justin. And our childhood is filled with Vince McMahon's voice. One, two. It's, <laughs> oh, we didn't get it. Yes, yeah, like yeah. That. What I, a maneuver, I, yeah. I like when he would do the... Oh, and I think it's over. No! You know, he would just yeah, uh, yeah. do the whole, like, uh, giving up on the match. And then, no, it's it's not there. But you go and watch uh, WWF from back in the 80s, 90s. You're going to hear Vince. And he was a good announcer, too. So what do you think as Vince McMahon as an announcer? Did, did you like him? Uh, he was fine, I guess. I mean, he had a good cadence and a good voice. And I think uh, he played well with the color commentators. Um, whether he, it was, was kind of like the Jesse the Body, guy. yeah, Jesse the Body, um, Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan, the King, yeah, Jim Ross. You know, he worked with all those guys. Um, you know, you could tell that as wrestling was changing in that '90s era, that um, it was time to turn it over to somebody else. Mm. Um, well, and especially I know that he started becoming an on-screen character. Yeah, and I think at the same time he was—he's been trying to get people to take his place since the late '80s when they hired Tony Schiavone for that one year and stuff like that. Did they? I think, yeah, yeah. Tony Schiavone worked for WWF at the time in like 1989. I didn't know that. And I believe that. he called the 1989 Royal Rumble. I know that Jim Ross called the WrestleMania in uh, Caesar's Palace with one of the worst yeah. Undertaker matches of all time. Or is the worst WrestleMania of all time, really? Is, is it considered? In my opinion. I mean, Hogan comes out of nowhere and beats Yokozuna at it, the end. Dude, the, the After the Bret Hart wins the title. The Undertaker Terrible. match was so Was that Giant bad. Gonzalez? 
Yeah. Well, that was more giant Gonzalez was awful. And the, well, the the Undertaker back then wasn't that great either. Like his, they wanted him to be like really slow and just do those like uppercut strikes, you know, neck palm strikes he did. And yeah. uh, anyways, that all changed. He, he definitely wasn't doing over the top uh, con helos. You know what I mean? But right. Yeah. So. As far as McMahon goes, he started that announcing in 1971, and, you know, this is where McMahon's intelligence and his personality comes into play, because it, over the course of the 70s, he actually, like, rose his way up the ranks. Now, there's a little nepotism there, right? It helps that your dad is doing that stuff, but, uh, you know, he, he, he worked his way up, and he started assisting his dad in TV syndication, and in fact, he tripled... Uh, their TV syndication. So, mm. some pretty successful su stuff there. Um, he pushed for the renaming of the company, right? Probably because there was too many W's, do you think? Or he just wanted to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the World Wildlife Federation, Foundation. and yeah. which finally caught up with him in 2000 and whatever. Yeah, yeah. That is very possible that he didn't like panda bears in the 80s. Or, yeah. So, Hated animals. Yeah. Um, the, this is interesting that I didn't know. Um, Vince was also behind the Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Noki match. I, I think I knew there was, he had some level of involvement in that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Wait, which we could do a whole show on that. But, uh, for those that don't know, there was kind of an early mixed martial arts match. It was a total sham in that the rules made the match extremely not entertaining, um, with Inoki trying to pull guard, laying on his back, and doing up kicks like the whole match. Yeah, didn't he, like, kick the crap out of uh, <laughs> yeah. Muhammad his Ali's legs. shins the whole time? And, like, it took, an e uh, it took Muhammad Ali, like, a long time to recover from that. Yeah. I think it, it like, hurt him the rest of his career. <laughs> Probably. It's kind of sad, but it was uh, considered extremely not entertaining. I think they had a closed circuit at Shea Stadium back in the day. So we'll talk about that some other time, though. Um, in 1979, Vince and his wife, now he did get married, someone named Linda McMahon, who's mm -hmm, a huge, mm -hmm. actually a huge part of the story, too, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Um from her political involvement to involvement in the and company. We'll, and we'll, we'll get to the political stuff, too. But, yeah, yeah. She's, she's been the kind of person who has mainly been backstage but still influential. Although she did do stuff on the show, I believe. She, she has a been lot, a character. Yeah. I, I Absolutely. don't remember a whole lot of that. But was that in the that Attitude was, Era? No, it was, you know, a little bit in the Attitude Era, if I remember correctly. But a lot of it carried into that uh, uh, Ruthless Aggression Era. Okay, like the invasion. Linda was very prominent around, if I'm just off the top of my head, like maybe like 02 to 07, 08, maybe on and off after that. But she this, had been... You know, yeah. she must have been a great business partner for him, for them to stay together so long. I mean, she's not the most beautiful woman in the world, and we know Vince likes beautiful women. Um, so it is kind of interesting. I have a feeling that, you know, it is a really a huge business thing between them because they I mean, they were married, involved. uh, uh, you know, she married, they got married at 21 when Vince was 21. So it was just one of those, you know, wow. it was probably his college sweetheart or something. 
Definitely, although it's hard to imagine those two as sweethearts, but I'm sure they were at one point in time. Hey, you know, they had two kids, and, you know, there's some family photos out there. I'm sure it wasn't, you know, you know, Vince was all about that job, and Linda maybe felt like, this is all speculation, that if I'm involved with WWE, then I can, you know, spend more time with my husband. Who knows? Yeah. So, in 1979, Linda and Vince founded the company Titan Sports. And you've heard Titan Sports. Isn't Titan Towers the the where WWE is headquarters? It's called Titan Towers, is it not? I believe so, yeah. E- even Although though it's, it's, it's not even that big of a building. And it's only one building, so to call it Towers is kind of... Or maybe it's Titan Tower, but... Uh, Titan Tower, I, I, will, I don't know. I will tell you this, if you ever Google Maps Street View, WWE headquarters, it is in the most weird place. Like, it's like there's neighborhoods right next to it, you know? It's like, it's not in any kind of central business district. A little interesting tidbit there. But, um, so in 1982, (laughs) they acquired control of the CWC from his ailing father. And his dad died in 1984. So, at this point in... 82 we have vince on top already he worked his way up the company and was able to get complete control over it right so we could really say that the vince era starts in 1982 would you say absolutely and that would put him about 40 years running it right so yeah and this is where it starts to get a little controversial i think right yeah for sure Really, in the early 90s, there's a lot of it, but, uh, yeah, it, no, 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 you're right, no, you're 100% right, and the reason, sorry, I, I forgot that, um, yeah, so, and we'll talk about that here, so, when he purchased the WWF, professional wrestling was generally a regional thing, okay, yes. right? Or, as you might have heard, the territories. The territories. Territorial. Yeah. And there was Sorry a Sorry general... about the sirens right now in the background. Well, look where you live, dude. Swear I'm... not coming for me. Oh, yeah, that's true. I have a question. If you walk out your front door, how long t- till you see a homeless person? I got assaulted by a homeless person last week. Oh, boy. Did I tell you? No, right? You didn't tell me that. Do you want to tell me off the air, or do you want to tell the fans? No, I can tell the story. Look. No. Dude, did you file charges? No, um, so I was uh, coming back from the flea market with my drawing, so I live like a mile plus from it, so I was pulling my, wa- like a little, you know, one of those little foldable wagons with a couple buckets of my drawings and the table and all that stuff, and I'm coming up this street that's about, I don't know, tenth of a mile from my house, so I'm like almost home, I'm sweaty, I'm ready, and this, there's about across the street, you know, this is a, you know, a smaller residential street. There's a there's a, a dude that looks like he's could be in you know, the band Poison. He's got the eyeliner. And oh boy. He's, he's clearly homeless. He's got and I'm kidding you not. He's got about a te- I don't know an eight foot pole in his hand. <laughs> okay. So, he looks like he's trying to get into an apartment across the street, and I look and I'm like, ah, okay, well, I'm just gonna keep doing my thing. And yeah, that's he's probably clearly, the best. he's clearly, you know, you know, dealing with a lot of a lot you know, of mental stuff. illness, and um, you know, 
I see him, he, he kind of locks contact, eye contact with me, and he starts darting across the street, and I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, no. And he kind of comes up to me saying some kind of nonsense about, oh, why didn't you come? And, like, he gets, you know, probably about three or four feet from me, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he just whacks me with that thing. And, what? Uh, you know, you he's run? like, I just kept pulling my thing, and then he, you know, I'm like, dude, you need to get the hell away from me. And he kind of scattered, and I kind of had to look over my back a few times. And I got home like five minutes later, and I, I, I called the non-emergency number. I said, hey, there's a dude with a pole. You just hit me on such and such street. And they're like, oh, we're already there. Do you want to come down and, like, identify him and press charges? And I'm like, no, just get him off the street. Like, I'm not going to go all the way down there. The guy clearly needs, like, mental help. Pressing charges isn't going to help do anything about that. So. Well, maybe that was a responsible choice on your part then, but... And yeah, I wasn't going to go back down there. That sucks, man. And for, for full transparency here, people, I've been homeless for years at a time um, back in the day. So, you know, I'm not making fun of the issue. Being homeless, you see a lot of mental illness. No, a lot of but drugs. I have absolutely. And that's the thing is, like, I feel like I don't I'm not really mad about it. I, I was it was a little scary. But at the same time, I know I, the neighborhood I live in that happens and i live in a big metropolitan city and you know those kind of things happen and uh you know i was okay it didn't really hurt this actually just happened yesterday because a week ago i didn't really have it it hurt at the little bit but then i noticed yesterday i'm like oh it started to bruise like it took a week to get to that point because it happened a week ago yesterday so um you know okay then well I'm I'm sorry about that, Justin. He didn't try and take anything. I was really just worried that my drawings were going to get bro- damaged. Oh, so yeah, that would suck. I, want, I wasn't going to, like, fight the guy. Are you kidding me? Like, this guy's mentally ill with a giant pole. Yeah, like, he's got I'm, the pole, like, how bro. Stupid. He, he was, was like the Grinch being touched with a pole. I could, I mean, I was like, I don't know what like what I was to him. Like, a fire-breathing dragon or something? I don't know. Like, it's not. Ooh, that'd be a, pretty cool. You know? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, very, very Back to Vince McMahon. Yeah, back um, to back to Vince McMahon because we got caught on homeless people. But uh, so we talk about territories, right? And there was kind of a yeah. gentleman's agreement in the territorial days that you don't invade other people's territories. No, you don't. Um, but uh, Vince did quite the opposite, didn't he? Um, he not only invaded, he just basically destroyed every territory. Well, he claims, you know, that he had a different, or or someone claimed that he had a different vision of what the industry could become. Honestly, he was right, but uh, it it came at the ire of many other wrestling promoters. So, in 83, they split from the NWA, right? And the NWA Mm -hmm. had all sorts of promotions, you know, part of it. It almost gave some kind of legitimacy to wrestling, like all these different promotions work under the NWA. We're talking all the way to Japan, you know? Um, And Vince is like, fuck the NWA, I don't need that. What a brazen, ballsy thing to do, and of course you can see both sides of it, right? Like, what a brazen, ballsy thing to do, and pioneer to the industry. Uh, He did WrestleMania, he took over after that, and... There were some more hiccups on the way, but eventually, ultimately, he won, right? But then at the same time, and even a more ironic thing is you go to the future, and I believe Linda was, what is she, like, the she was in charge of small business commerce or whatever her role was in that <laughs> Trump, Trump administration. Yeah. 
and ironically, they put a bunch of small businesses out of business oh, in the 80s, right? Dude, <laughs> her thing about her being on the small business thing is absolutely wild. That, that lady has no idea what a small business even is, um, but... I guess that's kind of a, a different thing. Um, so well, he, running a business, yeah. Running a massive and, business. But running a business, yeah. I mean, she's very intelligent, I think, with all that stuff, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but and I, getting I, business I think we might started. find out. Um, she, you know, at some point, she was responsible for a lot of that stuff going on that was, um, you know, the you know behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, um, oh. I'm sure, man. I'm sure. Um, so Vince started expanding the company, right? He started going into other people's territories. Uh, Vince's territory, by the way, was the Northeast. So kind of, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I've always thought this, like, part of the... It's not so surprising that Vince, you know, was able to grow when you think that he had the biggest metro area. His territory was the biggest metro area in America, Right, like he, I mean, to this day, you'll still see people refer to WWE as New York. Yeah, yeah, or Stanford. I, I've heard it referred to that as well. Um, yeah, the New York territory, you know. Yeah, for those that don't know, too, Stanford, Connecticut, is a. It's basically a suburb of New York. It takes a what you you know you take a train. It takes like an hour. But f f you know if you don't understand Connecticut in general is a suburb of New York. New York and you you live in L.A. so you understand this. But yeah. a lot of people might not like New York is New York and all these other places. It even stretches to Philadelphia. New York to Philadelphia is a three-hour drive, and it's like nothing but city in between. It is a massive metro area. And that was the territory. So, of course, the most money is going to be up there. New York's the biggest city in America. Um, so it's not so mm -hmm. surprising that he was able to get the money and clout, um, being that he was lucky enough to inherit this company in the New York area, Northeast and, area. And if you're top guys in other areas, you know, of course you want to perform at Madison Square Garden and in front of mm -hmm. all those people. Uh, and you know, you can definitely make way more money than you can in, let's say the Pacific Northwest yeah. or Florida, or Arkansas or Minnesota or yeah, yeah, the Georgia championship wrestling, you know, yeah. the money was there. And, and, um, and speaking of, uh, speaking of Minnesota, one of his big moves that really pissed people off was he started signing rating other companies for talent, right? And he made a big deal when he signed uh, someone named Hulk Hogan from the AWA in 1984. There you go. I mean, that's the start of it really all, right? Is when Vince McMahon met Hulk Hogan, that's when everything in changed forever. Yeah. For wrestling. Well, I, I have the, uh, this written here that uh, Hulk Hogan and Vince drew the ire of industry peers because the promotion became, began traveling and broadcasting into other territories. So direct competition now. Not only direct competition, but, you know, big name. Um, they grew, obviously, Hulk to be a megastar. So, yeah, um, so McMahon also created the Rock and Wrestling Connection um, by bringing pop music stars kind of into the wrestling storyline. And that helped, that was real smart on Vince because this is what helped bring 
wrestling into like a mainstream, right? Yeah, and that's, you know, having Cindy Lauper there when she was probably at her most popular, um, you know, around the time probably the Goonies was out and she was doing Girls Just Want to Have Fun and, yeah. and, um, What's the other song? Well, she had a bunch of hit songs. She, she had, but, yeah, she had a, she had a bunch. Actually, uh, time like after this. time. And Lou um, Albano was in the video for Girls Just Want to Have Captain Fun. Captain Lou, yeah, and then that also led to the Saturday morning cartoon, and um, that's when you said a no wrestling cartoon. Saturday morning cartoon, yeah. Oh, I didn't know they did that. Yeah, there was a total Saturday morning cartoon with Hogan, and. Pretty much all of them, Junkyard Dog. And, and what did they I, do in the show? Um, it was like kind of your typical little uh, adventure show. What was it called? Um, it was Rock like Power Rangers Wrestling? where like they just vanquish someone every week? Something like that. It, it, yeah, uh, Rock and Roll Wrestling cartoon. I don't remember the plot lines, but I did watch it when I was a kid. Hulk wow. Hogan's Rock and Roll Wrestling. Originally aired on CBS from 1985 to 1986 with reruns airing in 1987. There's only 26 episodes. It only lasted a year, one season. Two seasons. I would have watched it as a kid. I was just just being born then. Um, So, yeah, this was the rock and wrestling connection. Not sure exactly what the rock and wrestling connection means, um, (laughs) but that was kind of the thing. Uh, uh, Also, celebrities like Mr. T, right? Yeah, yeah, and, uh, you know, Liberace even, like, they really were bringing in, they started bringing in a lot of mainstream people for the times, um, and not only just having them wave their hands and be guests, but they injected them into storylines and into matches and, and all that, and, yeah, I mean, a lot of that stuff we see, see today from, you know, Bad Bunny to, uh, you know, True. Logan Paul or whatever. It, um, yeah. You know. To Grumpy Cat. All, yeah, the Grumpy Cat all originates um, from this stuff in the mid-80s, the rock and roll, the rock and wrestling era. Yeah, that, that's a great point, Justin. And, and remember, uh, for the listeners, we're not talking about the history of WWE. We're talking about Vince, but really the two are synonymous. So, um, yeah. Vince... Um, Vince was the beginning of that. I mean, we also had a lot of other companies would, you know, WCW was doing the bad celebrity thing with guys like Dennis Rodman and Jay Leno. I mean, this was all uh, predicated on what Vince did in the 80s. And it was, you know, people trying to inject celebrities and and actors into a freaking, if you want to blame somebody for David Arquette winning the WCW title, blame Blame Vince. Vince. He's the one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, yeah. he's the one that started bringing celebrities in first, so. Yep, totally. And, you know, he was smart, and it did expand the fan base. So, <clears throat> mo- totally. moving on from that, March 31st, 1985, Vince had this idea to make this huge mega show for wrestling. And, of course, the most generic name. But we nowadays, you know, the name is, like, a big deal, right? Like, it is the thing. But really, it's kind of a dumb name. And it's called WrestleMania. Now, if I heard that back in the 80s, I don't know, man. I have a feeling I'd be like, that's a stupid name. WrestleMania. But now we can't say it without thinking of all the history. It's become like a, a, a Coke, right? Like, yeah. if you if your two kids are, you know, fighting in the living room, you're, you're 
old relative will be like, what is it, WrestleMania? Like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, man. It's, it's everyone knows it, even if you're not a wrestling fan, you've heard of it. Um, exactly. And it is be- you might not know what it is, but you know what the term is, and you have a few people you tie to it. I mean, yeah, it's a household term for sure. Yep. So the first one was at Madison Square Garden on closed circuit on various markets throughout the nation, and his success in. With WrestleMania, you know, Vince's success in WrestleMania is credited with starting the 80s pro wrestling boom. So, um, yeah, he was a smart businessman. And he wanted to grow, grow, grow. And he was very successful with that in the 80s. And in the 80s, he kind of shaped WWF into what we would call sports entertainment right do you have anything to say about the word sports entertainment (laughs) well it's a very uh well i guess we're saying this a lot with this is the theme is polarizing right um but for the the vision he had i mean it was probably the perfect term to use right um and and what it became at its peak for what it was at its peak it was the perfect term to use right yeah, um, I, I, I think so, but also, like, what people have to understand is Vince has always had a lot of contempt for the idea of, like, good old boys Southern wrestling. He he really, especially the Southern part, Vince has right. always mm-hmm. thought that that was kind of like what you'd call mud show style stuff. And Vince has claimed that they don't do wrestling. That's what... The, the old promotions in the bingo halls or whatnot used to do. They do sports entertainment. B- but at the same time, this is marketing. The genius of Vince. This is the marketing. Oh, it's all marketing. Aspect. Yeah, like if I say Southern Pro Wrestling, the more words you use like that, the more narrow your audience becomes, right? Yeah. I say Southern, right away people from the North, West, East, are suppo- they're, they're not included. And then yeah. rat, and then and then wrestling that narrows it down too. So sports fans. entertainment is such a generically broad term. Um, and when you inject like celebrities and all that stuff into it, his idea was to make something that uh, can uh, you know something for everybody is on exactly the show, you know? exactly. And what I have written here actually, and I'm not gonna lie, guys, a lot of. A lot of this comes from all different websites. A lot of it comes from Wikipedia. Um, so just to be transparent there, but exactly what you said, Justin. A sports entertainment brand that reached out to family audiences while it, with the cartoon, right? And things like, what was it, Tuesday Night Titans or that real weird show they did. Was that? Yeah, was it was that? like damn near, a, it was a talk show. <laughs> it was like a comedy talk show, man. Um, so they reached out to family audiences while attracting fans who hadn't paid attention to pro wrestling before. And it was successful. He grew the fan base. He directed his storyline toward really highly publicized supercards and capitalized on a fledgling revenue stream with pay-per-view, which was very new at the time as well. Do, do, yeah. you, do you remember the advent of pay-per-view or were you kind of young? Advent of pay-per-view. I mean, I don't remember partaking in too many of them. I mean... You didn't have an uncle who got the pay-per-views or whatever back in the 90s? 
Oh, sure, but we would always go to someone else's house that had yeah, it. Yeah, okay. Or we, he would never order himself, or we had someone that had a black box. Oh, really? Or one of those, like, satellite cards where you get all the stuff. I had a relative in New Mexico who had a black box, and it was awesome, dude. I remember watching Waterworld. <laughs> if you remember that movie, yeah. when it and I was like, "Oh yeah, my gosh!" We saw the, we saw the live this? show at Universal. Who, ironically, uh, Chris uh, Dan- Christopher Daniels used to be in for a while. So, tell me, they're not still doing a Waterworld show at Universal? No, they are. Oh yeah, it's not it, twice this week. It's got to be the <laughs> least popular movie that they've ever made a ride out of. I was. Was, was that like a box office bust, or was that one of those other Costner movies, The Postman or whatever? The Postman was the one that was like... <laughs> that was the one that was the bust, right? Yeah. It was like Ma- Mad Max, but he's a mailman or something. Oh, God. I, I didn't even watch it because people had said, you know, it was terrible. Um, Waterworld double, Waterworld cost about $173 million to make, and it made $264 million. So, well, that wouldn't be called a massive... Six, well, it's, it was like over 100 it's like a hundred million dollars uh, profit, so. But they were probably thinking it would have made five hundred million. I bet. I think so. I think so. I think it was. I saw the movie. It was okay. It was good. It's okay. It, was fine. it, it is okay. Yeah. But um, Dennis Hopper's great. But anyway, Chris, Chris Hopper's great. So pay per view, man. Um, pay per view. Yes. It was a new thing, a new revenue stream, which is a big deal. Like we can make money from something that is totally new that people will pay for and instead of having your big wrestling match on cable it's like nah you can pay us directly to get it um yeah i think we were getting to the point in uh home entertainment where tvs were starting to get in more and more households cable cable was a thing cable was a thing now um vcrs were starting to get affordable weren't quite there yet um, but a lot of people were finding themselves happy with staying home and watching TV. Um, and, and the technology, and the technology as well, because you actually had the ability to put cable boxes in people's house and specifically mm-hmm. be able to have the cable company turn on and turn off certain things about your box, which before, you know, you had your antenna. And you had yeah. those mm-hmm. channels. So it was just like listening to the radio. Um, but this was like kind of Sirius XM before, you know, when you make that radio analogy, it's like Sirius XM. It's like you pay to have your specialized things and you could pay a little extra. And I think that Vince is considered like one of the godfathers of pay-per-view. In fact, I think they had pay-per-view.com for a while. That would not surprise me. I mean, yeah, things like WrestleMania... I mean that was the, those are probably one of the first big time pay per views, and uh, I would really love to see when boxing and stuff like that started doing pay per views. I mean, yeah, couldn't have been too far before or after WrestleMania. Yo, I'm sure. And by the way, uh, little trivia: pay-per-view.com dot com directs directly to WWE Network on Peacock. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Peacock, which lost a billion dollars last year or something like that, or 500 million, like, Peacock itself lost so much money. Really? Uh, which is interesting, yeah. These streaming services are, are starting to, I don't know if die is the right word right now, but they're 
they're at a crossroads. So we'll see where those go. We, we talk about pay-per-view now. Pay-per-view might be having to make a comeback out of necessity, especially when it comes to WWE. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we always talk about the AEW thing. It's like, jeez, might as well just pay for this now because these streams are always going down. Don't want to talk too much about that. But uh, just to be fair here, pay-per-view was around quite a bit before WWE, and it was a boxing thing. There was, mm-hmm. like, services called Teleprompter. Um, teleprompter subscribers mailed $2 to watch uh, boxing in 1960. Mm. Really? So, yeah, yeah. So, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to do a lot more research on that. But it's probably a little different than the system. Obviously, like it's a, you mail money. And then there was no set-top box. So, I'm not sure... If it was like a closed circuit type thing, or... sounds like a uh, it sounds like a some kind of pyramid scheme, <laughs> where some some somebody that wants to watch boxing cuts out the serial box barcode and sends two dollars, and nothing happens six weeks later. Well, the Thrilla in Manila was sold on HBO, uh, five hundred thousand views, and that was in nineteen seventy five. So very, when it was very cable television a thing, um, like early 70s? It looks like it was way before that, man. It's just, I think it was just not a big deal where mainstream and everyone had it. So it, it, it started in 1950, man. And there were hobbyist cable television in the 40s. So... They, they took weak broadcasts, amplified them, and sent them over unshielded wires. So, very interesting. I'm going to have to do a lot more, uh, because I, I think I was under the impression that that kind of stuff started in the 80s. But I do think that is when it became a mainstream thing. It's like, you have to have cable. And the cable shows were the things everyone was, was talking about. So, um, yeah. Um, moving on here, about talking about Vince. Like we said, he shaped... The sports entertainment thing, uh, the super cards, and pay-per-view. And, mm-hmm. you know, this growing and growing resulted in, you know, 1987, the Pontiac Silverdome. Yes. Is that WrestleMania three? Yeah. Andre versus Hulk Hogan. Uh, perhaps I mean, one day... of the most legendary WrestleManias of all time. And if not the most legendary match of all time. Yeah, and now I'm interested in what pro the, wrestling history. I'm interested in how many people Vince actually got in the door, because the numbers are always real weird, you know. Yeah, didn't they say like ninety three thousand, and it was really about it was either way, it was an impressive crowd. It was, I think, one of the biggest arena crowds of all time, which was surpassed by the mass of Pope John Paul II at the TWA Dome in St. Louis, Missouri. So a lot of Catholic people really wanted to beat that WWE record, which it seems like they did. But listed here as 93,000. You watch the videos, it's pretty nuts. It's, it's fucking wild, actually. Like, you know the dudes in the top seats are not there to watch the wrestling. They're just there to have fun. Oh, they're all the, you know, broadcast company, uh, ex, you know. Yeah. yeah. Execs. Yep. Just some things never change. Yeah, so that was in 1987, and again, we have a lot of 
a lot of controversy as far as what was going on with other wrestlers. But in 1991, we had a, a major controversy. Do you know what that, that controversy I'm talking about is? 1991-93? No, it was the steroid trial. Oh, yeah, steroid trial. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Of course. To, to keep people in the loop, in 91, Dr. George Zaharian, a doctor who worked as a ringside doctor in WWF, was convicted of illegally supplying steroids. And at the trial, Zahorian, you know, said that he supplied it to wrestlers and to Vince McMahon's office. Um, so Linda had this idea that you shouldn't be hiring Zahorian because of the issue, but it, it happened. So in 1993, uh, Vince was indicted. Now, to say something else, right before this, Vince tried to get into bodybuilding. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I think he wanted to start like a world. What was it called? Some kind world of world bodybuilding body federation. Building. Right, right. He, I mean, I think he was interested in that from his own personal hobbies and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, but he had that all ready to go, and that ninety-one to ninety-three era is probably the cl the time that we were the closest to having Vince McMahon go away for a while uh, until now. It, 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 yeah, and I think that... I'm not sure if he did step down back then at all for a little bit. Um, of course, he would have to if he was going to court on a day that they ran a show. But uh, he was indicted in 93, and they charged him with conspiring to distribute steroids, possession of steroids, with intent to distribute, and embezzlement for using money from Titan Sports for the steroids. So... Yeah, yeah. And if you hear numerous, like, kind of people like Bruce Pritchard and everything talk about it, apparently they were putting together a plan for if he was to go If he uh, did get him for a while. Oh, if he did get convicted. If he got convicted. So there's rumors from just, like, Vince running it from a jail cell, which I guess theoretically could have happened, especially if oh, they were not boy. a publicly traded company at the time um and they even brought in you know the rumor was they brought in jerry jared to see if he would take over really um but uh yeah i think they never got to the point where they actually had a full-fledged plan but there was like kind of a little behind the scenes stuff as to what to do if you know vince was gonna go away for a while oh man wow um to add much like now I really find it hard to believe he's going to have nothing to do with it now. Well, he I has, just... he has. I think there was a source who recently said that he told him a few years ago, like, I will never, ever not be part of this company. Oh, of course. And we all thought it was going to be when he would be running it from the, from hospice. He would be running it from a hospital bed whenever he was out. Um, uh, he would he, be making calls from the old folks home. Like, he would there was no way. create an AI that is a copy of him. So that it could run the Dude, company yeah. forever. I mean, and I just find it hard to believe he's going to be able to detach. What is he going to do? What is he doing tomorrow? That's what I told you. What's you know, he going to do? Like, Sit there and watch TV? Like the yeah, dude's you been said, working you said, for 40 you said, years. You said in all his spare time, what's he going to do? No, no, no. It's like his his all his time is spare now, right? If that's the yes. case. If he's, yes. So this the is guy, a guy has who, never had spare time in four years, man. This is a guy who never sleeps. Four hours um, a night. Wakes, you know, goes to the gym at 3 o'clock in the morning. 
this dude is in for a rude awakening, man, in That's terms of pun intended to their late. Yeah. I mean, he's going to need something quick. I mean, he could, you know, I don't know. You know, he, he, he might is be the, just. He is the definition. He is the pinnacle of what a workaholic is, man. He might start running little indie shows all over Connecticut. Who knows? Yeah, maybe he'll get back into football. Maybe he'll get into bodybuilding, but uh, none of that is wrestling, and that is his his bread and butter. So, I don't know if you know this, but prior to the steroid trial, McMahon actually lost a lawsuit from Jesse Ventura over almost a million dollars in royalties uh, owed for the color commentary. So. Yes, I've yeah, and I think to this day, uh, you know he owes the money still or something i don't know something like that jesse the body yeah and and jesse the body is a little bit of a crazy nut too um so i mean a little more lovable and and uh you know he's a little more lovable than vince's though i think isn't he like uh he's not like alex jones level right no 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 he he is kind of libertarian but kind of swings left a lot oh does so so but he he is like grounded like he is like down to earth probably yeah not. i mean i mean he was on jericho's podcast he was just on jericho's ago. podcast i was thinking of listening to it but uh oh it was great because you know how jericho's wife was at the january 6th thing right yeah oh god he he went off on that saying they raided my capital Oh, and those people and that and, and Jericho just had to kind of sit there and take it, <laughs> smile and nod and say, you know, kind of. Yeah, he didn't say anything. He just was like, uh-huh. uh-huh yeah, yeah. OK. I'll, but he I'll... was totally, you know, and he's been a very anti-Trump and all that stuff, too. So, um, wow. you know, OK. But I'll, anyways. I'll, I'll, and he is a Republican, so I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to listen to that. Um, eventually, and, and there's another character here, which is Sam Mushnick, who I believe is a reporter that covered a lot of this steroid trial stuff and brought a lot of news out. And, and WWF in the time, and I know all this from just listening to Meltzer a lot, but uh, I believe that Mushnick was considered like the villain and Vince was like the hero as far as in WWF. And... It played out that the judge dismissed the charge, the distribution charges, on the grounds the prosecution had insufficient evidence, and that it was a jury deliberation. Um, they deliberated. I think for- no. I think you might get it. Sam Munchnik wasn't he like a promoter? Uh, they both have the last name Munchnik. Am I getting the Munchniks mixed up? Well, there's a Sam Munchnik. I I was I remember that as a wrestling promoter. Which oh. is kind of very ironic, okay. though. I, I, I'm that sorry, somebody guys. named Munchnik would take him down because I think that was probably a territory that he raided. So, yeah, I, he I'm was sh- the he was the NWA Phil, president Phil from Mushnick. 1950. Okay, there you go. That makes sense now. I thank you for that, by the way. We're all guy. about accuracy here and 100 <laughs> percent correctness. So. I, I I get those names mixed up. That's a that's a fair fuck up. I mean, Mushnick's kind of a rare last name anyways. So it was Phil Mushnick. Sam Mushnick was the West Coast wrestling promoter, I think. Big time wrestling and the Cow Palace and all that sort of stuff. So Phil Mushnick was uh, the reporter. Did you I think know, he was this Midwest St. Louis guy. Did, did you know and... that recently um, they were planning on making a movie about the steroid trial? 
well, I know they were making a or Hogan documentary. Movie. Documentary. Or there was some kind of uh, Netflix. Yeah. Vince McMahon vehicle that was kind of canceled when all this stuff started coming out. Um, I mean, honestly, like, very interesting guy to make a movie about. Uh, <laughs> it would be probably a very good movie with the right uh, material. Yeah, I just with the right material, but it there would not be the right material. You, you, WWE doesn't make, well, really right, make yeah. good documentaries as it is. They have a total revisionist attitude and the idea was you know seeing vince mcmahon as the hero in the steroid trial even though there was still a lot of shady stuff going on and then phil mushnick would have been the villain he would have been the evil reporter um i'm sure that would have been the case because they they want to create an image but that has now been scrapped i would be interested in it justin honestly yeah, we, it couldn't have been. It, was WWE really going to make this? Come on. Why would they touch they that with a 10-foot pole? They had to allow it. Yes, they were involved. Huh. That's what I'm saying. They were going to make him like the good guy. This was not like Dark Side of the Ring, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I have a hard time. Yeah, that, I don't know how that would have... <clears throat> yeah, they were gonna work who, with. Who was Vince supposed on to it. play Vince McMahon? And I know there was. No, maybe it was, was a doc- maybe it was a documentary, but uh, uh, yeah. let, me, let me find Netflix Vince McMahon. I because again we we want to. Okay, so it would have been a documentary. Yeah, it would have yeah, been a documentary, and, and um, I don't think it would have been. Oh, I guess if it was negative, they wouldn't have canceled it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, now it was deep in the post production, so it's it's mm. it's probably almost done. I'd love to see that thing. Hopefully, it comes out in a hacked email or something years down the line. We'll, we'll we will do a watch along if that happens. So uh, yeah, sure. so they were working on that Netflix thing that was pulled because of the allegations. And to go back in the future, by the way, th- these allegations state that Vince paid twelve million dollars for. Uh, for these this hush money claims someone did the math and was like he could have just hired a, a, a high-end prostitute daily for for 12 million like it would have lasted him like years and years and years and years i so, i, I kind of wonder though if they find out if the news comes out whoever, who, who busted this open was it the wall street journal yeah some business guy was looking at records or how was this actually found out well yeah they're not going to say who their sources are, but it's probably... No, I don't know who their sources are, but some guy was going through some... Uh, an accountant was going... You know, somebody was going through some papers and found this stuff, right? Like, is that what happened? I don't know the details of how the Wall Street Journal found the story. Right, right, it right. Could involve but, um, the, it could involve the people coming to the Wall Street Journal. So, um, so, what, so what if they discover that uh, Vince McMahon employed... A full-time prostitute, <laughs> numerous yeah, full-time prostitutes. That's, that's a, that could have come out on a morality clause too, because you know they would have probably had to sign NDAs as well, right? Yeah, because you wouldn't want the he wouldn't want the prostitutes coming out and being like, "I fucked but, Vince McMahon every day for five years but straight." I think where this whole thing comes out, like, oh yes, it's not illegal, but it gets really, really touchy when you're hiring someone to be like, I don't know, a paralegal. And they yeah. don't have experience at being a paralegal, and then you double the salary out of nowhere. 
then that becomes not illegal conduct, but probably it's definitely um, unethical for the business. Boards of you know trustees and co- corporations don't like when you hire somebody, and then you want to double their salary even though they don't know how to do their job. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's probably not a good business practice, and it it's def- falls under it's definitely moral guidelines. Definitely not a good not a good look for Vince and uh yeah I think he knows that knows that as well so during the steroid trial the jury deliberated for 16 hours and the conspiracy charge uh on the conspiracy charge and he was shown not guilty a big win for him why why do I see him wearing a neck brace going was he wearing a neck brace during the trial I think he was in a car accident or something like that okay um, the car didn't explode It was just no. Okay, we'll, no, we'll, he didn't die. We'll um, we'll get to that in a bit. Hey, here. very pivotal um, moment in pro wrestling history. Uh, could you imagine if Vince was convicted? What would have happened? With, well, only you know, the world, the butterfly uh, effect, right there. Yeah. Well, I guess they had a backup plan. So who knows? But yeah, who? Yeah, knows it looks like they had happened. some kind of plan going, but he probably would have gotten out in a couple years and been back in plenty of time uh does he you know for the razor ramon and uh you know diesel leaving or something he'd probably be back around that time let's say but he still would have been running that place through oh yeah for sure he he had he had pretty much infinite money to pay on phone bills and doing visits yeah he would have been fine and, and to be honest here mcmahon did use steroids um well, I'm sure he did. He um, he admitted to it. Um, he said he yeah. used them before they became illegal. And okay. That and that's a whole different conversation. I think I, I don't even I don't even know if I am anti steroids, but I think they're probably used irresponsibly. They are legal in Japan. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing here. But he did use well, them. Well, I think it 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 really comes into effect more with you know uh competitive athletes where it yeah. gives them a uh, performance enhancing drugs right yeah that's for sure um, but uh, as far as legality goes you know um yeah they only I, harm the person using them i guess and, unless you yeah, get but, rage and but this is america too and we're a pretty fucked up place so maybe we well, had to make them illegal because uh otherwise you'd have like normal ass people uh shrinking their testicles and dying of heart attacks at a young age well i think yeah i think a lot of it is the harm it does to your body if not used properly yeah and yeah it's it's a it could be very poisonous if you don't use it right have you ever seen the documentary i think it's called better faster stronger i've heard of it but no yeah it's pretty good and it's kind of a middle a centrist view on steroids but there's some pretty disturbing stuff in there like the dudes who have arms that are like you know sickly sickly huge so um like can't lift them over their head huge like can't wipe their ass yeah so that's so hilarious after this happened mcmahon declared his company drug free and wwf brought in a hardcore independent drugs testing policy um after that so i think especially this is the post reagan era um war on drugs type of thing too dare right Right. so of course you know he felt like he probably uh had to do that and any wrestler at the time caught with drugs 
which was pretty common, actually. I don't think it worked that well, to be honest, man. Let's be honest, like, right? It was during that time. Drugs are bad, okay? Hey. I mean, that was... That was the time where, you know, there was, a, like you said, the war on drugs, the Nancy Reagan stuff, and... Um, Dare and... Dare and all that awareness, and... This uh, is your brain on drugs. Yeah, and listen, there were some people that abused steroids, and it really, really... You know, look at Lyle Isato and um, a lot of people like that, where you kind of understand where they were made illegal in a way, because if people take them and abuse them, it, they can deteriorate pretty fast. And uh, Mental issues as well. You know, roid rage, all that kind of thing. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, steroids are a prescribed thing that people would get to heal their body um, after, like, a surgery or, you know, <sighs> that kind of thing. Like, they're prescribed to do something and one prescribed to do something like heal a body and muscles after surgery or accident or whatever mm -hmm. um they're effective and can be used safely i mean um yeah i don't know if you ever heard of the baseball player ken caminiti no um i know so barry bonds died. yeah bonds a whole other story but ken caminiti you know he admitted he used steroids and he said it started he started using it because he tore a muscle, uh, he was out for X amount of weeks, months, whatever, and the doctor prescribed steroids to heal the muscle and to let the muscle, you know, grow back or whatever. Mm -hmm. And um, he's, he, he just saw the incredible results of, and he got hooked on him from using him as an injured player to recover. Wow. Um, and to get him back to play faster, and then he just didn't stop from that point on. And uh, there you go. And then, of course, when they do stop, you see him lose the weight, lose the muscle mass or whatever. But listen, you know, and they get the wrestling... they get the six pack gut too. Have you seen that? Like the weird yeah. six, the, the weird Joe Rogan like six pack gut, which someone what? has told me like that's not natural at all. I mean, here here's the thing: is you know, pro wrestlers are in a very Aesthetics are very important, right? In very terms of what they look and like. By the way, we uh, go listen to wrestling and sex because we talk about that aesthetics in wrestling in that episode. Yeah, and here's the thing: is you know, pro wrestlers don't always, or especially in the '80s and '90s, '70s, whatever, didn't have the luxury that they have today with a lot of guys that are getting paid for not wrestling if they're at that high level. Um, some of the indie guys, maybe not, but you know, if you get an injury in AEW, you're not just not paid. You have no. a contract no. where you're paid, and WWE, same thing. So, back in the '80s, if you tore a muscle, you were most likely not only performing with it, but then you were also probably using steroids to make it heal faster. All sorts of issues there, man. But like I said, he he went for the anti-drug thing after that whole thing had to change the public image of the company. And an example, uh, you know, it still kind of goes on to this day. Two Dimes was recently released. But, of course, we hear stories about, and we even did an episode, Wrestling and Drugs, right? So, yes, or we did. Wrestling and Addiction. And I'm Addiction, sorry. too. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, we you know, eventually, Justin, we're going to have covered everything. So, but uh, it's <laughs> it's uh, Crush was actually fired for having steroids and marijuana, um, which he was caught with. He was arrested for that and they fired him. So there was an example from back then about their kind of 
hardline stance. Um, moving on uh, through the years here, you had, of course, the Monday Night Wars. Um, yes. The Attitude Era, probably the, the one of the, the biggest era. And this was kind of where McMahon cemented the WWF as the wrestling promotion in the late 90s. Um, by initiating a new brand strategy that brought it to prominence because he was kind of he was losing to wcw for a little while he was losing you had the advent of the nwo um which of course became the famous 83 weeks in which uh, wcw was just defeating uh wwe almost every week um as both of their brands were growing in popularity Mm-hmm. Um, and, and hitting their stride more. And as this occurred, this is the time where, you know, Vince became more than just an announcer, more than just a voice. This is the time when he was not only first being an on-screen character, but he was actually being acknowledged as the owner yeah. of the WWF. And not a lot of people knew that through the 80s. And in the early 90s, unless you were, you know, reading I didn't. I uh, thought the I was a kid. I just thought he was an announcer. We were kids. I'm sure people kind of knew, like, if they were big time, you know, into it fans. Or, if you read the sheets. If you read the sheets, if you were doing that. And then, of course, we know that was way less people um, that didn't even know that Vince McMahon is actually the owner. Probably until, you know, he started uh, that back and forth with Stone Cold and Bret Hart. Um, yeah, you weren't seeing Ted in Turner 97. in the ring, that's for sure. Um, but no. uh, this is part of the, I guess, genius of Vince was his ability to read the room, which is funny because nowadays people call him out of touch. But back then, he, he had he could read the room and read kind of where society was going, and he sensed this shift towards like a more hardened and cynical fan base. So yeah, he he sensed this shift where. Hulk Hogan was was just not the type of wrestler that was wanted people wanted anymore. They wanted someone more edgy, right? And that's when he started redirecting storylines towards this attitude, WWF I attitude. Mean, and they often yeah. say that the era commenced after the Montreal screw job. Do you want to quickly uh quickly just tell fans uh, the Montreal screw job what Vince is involved in with that? <laughs> Well, highly recommended. I know we talked about it before, and I made you watch it because when yeah, it we great. first started doing this, doing this podcast, um, you hadn't seen it yet, which is Wrestling with Shadows. And I'm sure it's somewhere. It might be on Amazon Prime or something. You can find Wrestling with Shadows. And if you guys are a wrestling fan, you've gotten this far with us, and you haven't watched Wrestling with Shadows, which is quite possibly the best wrestling documentary ever created. Um, in terms of the content, and you know, maybe I'm biased because, you know, Brett's no, my all-time it's favorite, great. but it's, it's great. really excellent. And um, it came out about the same time as Beyond the Mat did, which was another um, really great uh, documentary that gives you an inside life about it. But you know, basically, um, and you can watch it on you, Tubi for free, Justin. Tubi, Tubi's great. I love Tubi. Sponsor yeah. us. Sure. We'll do commercials for you. Yeah, you can watch um, it on Tubi for free with ads. So um, definitely check right it on. out. I might, well, if the G1 wasn't on after this, I might have checked it out. I, I love watching Watch it that again? One. I, I can yeah. see that. And, and yeah, and Vince is a, plays a central role in that 
Yeah. So so you can say what you want. I I find, uh, you know, basically the the story revolves around Bret Hart, but Bret Hart is coming to the end of his contract. Um, and I feel I'm going to say this real quick because I know that a lot of people have heard the Montreal Screwjob. If they gotten this far and they listen to us, they probably know the Montreal Screwjob for sure. Um, you know, basically Bret did not want to lose the title in Canada. Um, Vince obviously wanted him to before he left for WCW. Um, and one thing led to another, and Brett thought he was losing it the next night on Raw, or he would give it up the next night on Raw, and there was supposed to be a schmoz for uh, Survivor Series 97, but uh, that's not what happened. Uh, basically, um, Brett rang the, the bell, and Sh- Shawn Michaels, yeah, they, they fixed a fixed match, I guess you can say, and that basically, uh, they, they, uh, Called that's why you hear screw job finish. That's why I mean it's all comes from that one and night where um, the result was changed. What happened to Vince immediately after? Well, he was spit on <laughs> right after the match. You could see Brett, and then backstage. Brett punched him in the face backstage. And he took it like a man too. He well, yeah. I mean, he knew he was going to come find him, and that's what he did. And. Uh, it's it's one of the most controversial moments in professional wrestling history, yeah. and of course it's got to have Vince involved in the equation. He got spit on, yeah. So right after. It's exactly what happened, and at that point, a lot of people say like that's where the Attitude Era began. Um, and McMahon, who had downplayed his ownership of the company and was kind of known as a commentator, like I said, this is the point where he became involved in WWF storylines as Evil McMahon. By the way, I saw a great tweet from Jim Valley, or I heard about a great tweet from Jim Valley. I'm just going to tell you it real quick, okay? Yeah. Vince screwed Vince. <laughs> right? Simple, simple, and but it works very well, yes. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So, um, yeah, and then he got into the legendary feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I don't want to go too much on that because there's a whole series of episodes that we're going to do on that. I mean, we've already talked about doing a 97 rundown. Um, but we've, done a, we've done the first quarter of 97 so far. Yeah, yeah. So this feud, though, with Stone Cold Steve Austin made the WWF just explode. Um, they were doing millions of viewers, they overtook WCW, and it became one of the highest rated shows on TV. Um, so, you know, Vince knew what the audience wanted. He really did back then. And he gave it to us. I, I, he gave it to us as kids, and he gave the adults too. He gave us what we wanted. And every week we wanted to see Vince get his ass kicked. And every week they they teased it. They had little like stuff happen that made us love it. And um, the, you know they the slow play of Stone Cold to become champion that basically lasted about a year and a half. Really, um, it, it's amazing. They don't really slow play people like that anymore. Vince, I mean, from early '97, Stone Cold was the man. Right. Oh hell yeah! He had the IC title a little bit, and he had some good things with Bret Hart. He was with The Rock before then, and he even had a couple title shots, I think, against Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker before he actually won it. And then he run when the 
won the Royal Rumble in 98. Had a thing with Mike Tyson. And then finally, a year and a half later, he went um, from winning the Royal Rumble in 97, not having this shot at WrestleMania, but probably had one of the most iconic matches in wrestling Romania history. I know we mentioned Hogan and Andre, um, but uh, Bret and Stone Cold in 97 oh, yeah. in that I Quit match. Evergreen um, match that you can just watch over and over. It's amazing. It's got everything. Highly recommend Stone Cold's commentary on it, too, where he, he actually tells you, like, all the, you know, he's going, hit me, hit me, you know? Yeah. Um, so... Um, one of the greatest wrestling matches of all time, without a doubt. And that's up with, you know, a lot of the New Japan stuff that we've watched. Yeah. I mean, Bret and Stone Cold is just an absolute masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, please watch it and then watch it again. And, um, and, and you know, great stuff. I'm sure Pat Patterson had a lot to do with that brilliant wrestling sure. mind. However, this is what people need to understand. And this is something I really didn't realize until like 2000, I don't know, 14, 15, which is that. Vince, everything goes through him. Everything goes through Every, him. Yeah, right, nothing, right. I mean... Nothing on these shows, nothing doesn't go through him. And so he's the be-all, end-all. All creative yeah. choices, wrestling moves, everything. It's approved by Vince McMahon. And, and listen, we've heard people criticize the writing staff, creative... But it's really on Vince, and I know that I've gotten you to listen to it a few times, but, you know, Matt McCarthy on the We Watch Wrestling podcast, who was a writer for about, I don't know, a year and a half or so. As most you know, writers says, are, like, last, like, a year or two. Yeah, he says, you think we're not sitting there thinking of all those awesome ideas that you're thinking of to do? Of course we are, but they all get shot down because everyone's writing to the audience of one. The or audience of up, one. Yeah, that that yeah. is the that is the phrase, the audience of one. Yeah, and that audience of one was way more connected with the world in 1998, 1997 than it is in, you know, 2009 and above or whatever. So, I mean, that's really the moral of the story is I know they say he's you know, we've all changed and we've all things are different for us now, but I think Vince is a little less of that. I think his sense of humor, his what he finds entertaining is probably a lot closer to what it was. Uh, it was a little more consistent throughout the years. Of course, it changed with the times, um, but uh, although, you know, let's say, like, we've been back watching WWE since, what, 2014, 2013-ish? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hasn't been all terrible, but... To be honest with you, if we will go back and watch a lot of that Attitude Era, you know, 97, 98 is really, really good stuff. But then, it, it, you know, even though it was real popular, 99, 2000, not a lot of that age as well um, in terms of, True. you know, its acceptance and its all that now. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't age well. Um, but, man, <laughs> was it perfect back then and did people love it back then? I mean... That's when you couldn't walk down the street without watching, seeing an Austin 316 shirt. I mean, it was everywhere. I remember reading video game magazines doing features on uh, Vince and WWE and just talking about how it's more popular than it ever has been. And I remember mm -hmm. as a kid, a middle schooler, thinking like, yeah, of course it's popular. It's fucking awesome. So It will, um, it will never reach that level again. 
there's just too much choice for kids and yeah people in general i just don't feel it, it'll get it can it's still big in a way i mean it's they're still feeling they're still making money hand over fist over there but there is no way that as ingrained it was it was in popular culture in those late 90s I just don't see it getting to that level again. Yeah. And a lot of that is Vince McMahon. Very, I mean, I think back then, just the evolution of how the company has been. It was back in the, you know, 80s, 90s, you had Vince, you had Pat Patterson, you had Bruce Prichard, you had maybe Gerald Briscoe, Jim Cornette for a little bit. Michael Hayes. Vince Russo. Huh? Michael Hayes. Maybe Vince Russo uh, probably had had a lot to do with those. You know, 97, 98, into 99 uh, times and storylines. Yeah, Gerald Briscoe. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, Cornette for a little bit, too, I think I already said. Yeah, him, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get the idea. A lot smaller teams, and, of course, Vince was the head of the table, and now it's this corporate structure now um, where it's, you know, Vince with 37 writers or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but in 99, Vince did... Uh, lead the company in the public offering. Um, so that uh, was in 1999, and that was uh, when he brought the company public. Probably a pretty damn good idea, putting the company public, getting a huge surplus of income. And now Vince has so much money in stock. I mean, God, I don't even I mean, he owns most of the company still, which is a whole other thing, right? Like, yeah, uh, I mean... A lot of people got very rich uh, from that uh, public, making the company public, from him to some probably some talent. Guys like Jim Ross probably made tons of money. Oh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those dudes still have shares, you know what I mean? At least, yeah. at least like thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars worth um, that they could dump any time. I know not too long ago, uh, um, Triple H and Stephanie sold a bunch of their stock probably made yeah. a good chunk of change off that and Vince right now probably has millions if not tens of millions of dollars worth of stock that he could easily dump so uh that public offering big big time money deal there and um, it was a no-brainer you had to do it and they were at their peak of popularity he probably thought he could maintain it forever and he could still do whatever he wants yeah but at some point, <laughs> as society became a little... I don't know if I want to say censored is more the right word, but... A little um, more woke. Yeah, I just think that things kind of settled down a little bit. You know, those mid-90s to early zeros were a pretty unpolitically correct time. Oh, uh, for sure. Would, but behind Vince, <laughs> I, guess I mean, say you had the, the bra and panty matches. You had some racist stuff panty matches. Yeah, you had some very... Uh, you know, I don't think it was intended to be racist, but it was racist when you look at it back in the day. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't. It didn't occur to me back then. It was like, like it did a lot of like it wasn't anything that I just you know, thought like, it was kind of funny with like. Gold I just thought it. There, stuff. W- w- let's say when the, the the nation of domination, when DX's blackface basically making fun of oh, them. Oh boy, that wasn't something that occurred to me back then. I wasn't a fan. I, I was on the nation side of things because I, I just like the I love the rock and stuff. But um, I didn't, you know. Of course, we we grow and we evolve as a society, and we look back at that and like oh, that was probably not a good idea. 
So yeah, and as far as Vince goes, I definitely don't think Vince is racist. I think he has an idea of who he wants as a champion. You know, uh, black champions have had trouble keeping the championship and getting huge pushes from him. I don't think he is intentionally racist, but I do think that he is a little bit uh, prejudiced as far as, which in a way you have to be as a promoter, but at the same time, as in that you have to know the the right people to push and who's going to cater to the best audience, uh, the biggest audience. But, um, yeah. you, you know, he's, he's got a formula in his head. He's so, got a formula. I mean, he's got an image in his head of, of, of who those people are. So and for a while it was big, muscular people. Uh, and a, then like women that were today. quote unquote perfect tens. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know if I said this on air, but, uh, Serena Deeb had to get a boob job to get into the WWF, uh, WWE. So, I mean, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. And, you, you know, you got to think of a guy like AJ Styles, who has consistently been one of the best wrestlers in the world and wouldn't even get a look at WWE uh, until 2015 when until the guy he was blew up in, in New his Japan. mid to late 30s. Yeah. Um, he had that to was be probably co- from he had to a guy like one Triple of the, H influencing. He had to become one of the best wrestlers in the world to, to get into WWE. F, everywhere WWE, else yeah, yeah and get to his mid-30s and um i guess he, he he's become a little more open-minded when it's come to stuff like that he's brought in guys like shinsuke nakamura and and all that but he hasn't really done much with him has he but um, well he, he's been on tv constantly but yeah he like you said sure. before just enough right but yeah it's yeah. been tough he he he's he's had some black stars that were in great opportunities to get pushed and then he kind of took it away from them. I, I didn't think Kofi was a necessarily great champion, but I did think Big E was. And uh, I didn't like how Vince handled uh, both of them or just crushed. I was just going to say both of them deserved way better. Both of them deserved better. So, so at- you, yeah, you think about guys like Daniel Bryan and Kofi, whose stories had to be basically arm-twisted into happening. Yeah. Uh, rather than just someone recognizing, hey, this could be really special if we did this. Which is so different from the Vince in the late 90s who really was in touch with what the fans wanted. So something changed there. And maybe it wasn't Vince that changed. Maybe it was society that changed and Vince staying the same. Um, but for someone who was so progressive for the business in the 80s and 90s, it is kind of wild that over time he did lose his ability to be so progressive, in my opinion. But, you know, let's not say that, but, I mean, I think he's a big reason for the WWE Network happening. Um, so there's a progressive side. Is he, he, was, he was ready to stream. I think he might have been talking about having his own channel, you know, I way heard before that. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. So but I think this, they've... they've They've yeah. always had the idea to have a channel. Yeah, at the same time, I've heard that they lost a lot of money from the WWE Network and that it, while it was techno- technologically progressive, you know, the idea that you could have kept those things on pay-per-view and made a lot more money and people would have bought them um, instead of paying $10 a month. So It that, really depends on the formula. Like, if you have a million people subscribe to the network and pay $10 a month, or fifty thousand dollar, fifty thousand people buy fifty dollar pay per views. It really just, you know, it really yeah. depends. 
Yeah, it, it does depend, but you're right. That was uh, technologically progressive, and he was on that train a lot, uh, quite a bit before the streaming services really blew up. So, um, And you I, know what? In a way, he got out of the streaming service game before companies like Netflix, Netflix were hemorrhaging subscribers. Think sure, about that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. He sold all the content to Universal... Got a ton of money, and then what was happening in the months after that? I don't know if that's all him. That could be a Nick Khan thing or something. But well, like we've said um, before, man, it all has to get approved by him, right? So absolutely. So yeah, uh, it's def it's definitely him. Um, after Final the say. after the Stone Cold thing, we had the McMahon Helmsley era. Um, I'm gonna kind of just run down these eras without like getting too deep into them because well, a lot of this time to, I wasn't watching wrestling either. But t- talking about just let's acknowledge this in terms of the Stone Cold era, Vince has had some of the most iconic, hilarious, and just crazy moments in that Stone Cold era. Whether it was the Bang 316 and he pees himself and getting hit <laughs> in the with the bedpan in the hospital, uh, his Ding. reactions to. You know, you're fired to, 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 you know, when... Stone Cold in handcuffs and all that stuff or being arrested. It was arrested. me, Austin. It was me. And yeah. just the little faces he would make, the facial expressions, the, the anger he would get. Some absolutely hilarious moments that are timeless. And, and if you watch any of those things with Austin, and um, just it's great stuff. And what a, what a heel, you know? Kenny Omega considers Vince McMahon the best heel in the history of the business. So. I don't see that. I, nothing. Not wrong a with controversial that statement. statement. No, he's definitely. I mean, I'd have to really do a little bit of a, a thought, but I definitely think he would be in the top three or five, if not number one. And yeah, uh, yeah, he's up there for sure. He's on the Mount Rushmore of heels for sure. Definitely. Um, so there was the McMahon Helmsley era that, you know, kind of, where I guess they had their little. Uh, click i guess right and stephanie mcmahon got married and all that sort of stuff the um, corporation yeah there was the invasion um which vince was part of that was kind of considered a flop i uh, i gone back and watched a lot of it on the network and um yeah i didn't hate it as much as other people but you always hear about how they weren't able to bring over a lot of the big names from wcw and the people that they did get like were weren't ready mid. for that spot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no Goldberg back then, or at least not no much. Nash, no Nash, no Hall. No Nash, no Hall. Until a no little Sting. later. Until a little. No Sting. Um, until a little later, and then just treating people like DDP, like badly booked and that sort right. of thing. But uh, you know, I still have this uh, image in my head of Vince saying he wanted to destroy the WWE, and then. He's like, oh, what will I do? And then it says NWO in the mirror. You ever seen that? Yeah. I, I've heard of that, yeah. They had Jeff to, like, write poison, it backwards yeah. so it would show in the mirror, like, which kind of made no sense. Um, yeah. After that, we had the faked death, and this was the <laughs> exploding limousine, which yeah. they still have in a warehouse somewhere. Um, I'm the sure they do. Illegitimate son. Now, who was Vince's illegitimate son again? Hornswoggle? Hornswoggle, yeah. And uh, that bothered Vince, right? Uh, that Hornswoggle was his son? Yeah. 
It was, I think so, yeah. I, I wasn't really connected to that era, but um, yeah. I think Hornswoggle was more fond of him than he was of him or something like that. Also, a little before this time, we had the uh, Battle of the Billionaires, Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. Um, president Donald Trump, who was he in the WWE. Yet, well, but, no, but we call him was, that. We call him former President he, Donald Trump. He was the host of, uh, you know, what was the, probably the a biggest reality, TV show. The, the, the in, yeah, whatever in that America show at the was time. called. The Apprentice, right? Was that the Apprentice. what it was called? Yep. Yeah. So that was him. And, and of course, WWF has a huge history with Donald Trump. If you go back to the WrestleMania, I can't remember, was it four that was at uh, Trump mm. uh, in Atlantic City? Okay. So, or I think there was at least one or two they had there, and, you know, Donald Trump's in the WWE Hall of Fame. And and, and <laughs> also, also the, not only do they have a relationship with him, but this ties back to the trying to get widespread appeal by incorporating celebrities into their show. Absolutely. So, um, that's what led to that. And that was, was that kind of Vince's last kind of in-ring moment no I mean, I, oh no bret hart right we got we got a we got a few here um after that there was the million dollar mania after that he had the legacy and the uh bret hart so right. that was 2009 2010 what do you, do you know anything about that not the legacy but i do know about the bret hart thing and i know the legacy was was it dibiase son and cody rhodes Road scholars weren't they? I don't see. I was so yeah. I was I was out of it back then, probably for good reason. Because um, I think the product got really bad from like, you know what it is. I know a lot of people like this too. Like right, so we can say the way he handled the Benoit death, um, and Eddie Guerrero, like those things happening. I think. And that how did was he? Ha- time... How did he handle that, Justin? So I know at least with the uh, Benoit death. Um, so, so here's the thing too. This is a, I think I know a lot of people, I was still kind of watching here and there and I knew who they are and everything, but this is when a lot of people really started to check out once Benoit died and when the whole Benoit, that horrible tragedy, um, with that happened, a lot of people kind of checked out of wrestling at that point. Cause like, Oh, the guys are doing this kind of stuff. Like I can't, you know, I still hear um, people criticize wrestling to this day for, for the Benoit death. Like, I've exactly. had people say, yeah. like, why would I watch that shit? Fucking dumbasses that go and kill their family. Right, right. And, you know, that's a whole other thing. But, um, it, at least with the Benoit, I believe the night that it happened, or the, that they, you know, that Monday Raw, Night Raw, after it was discovered, they came out and, you know, I don't know if he dedicated a night to it, or whatever. He had you know, a positive stuff to say about him or whatever. Well, because they, they, they didn't know what had happened completely, right. right? and then they had to pretty much retract it the next week, and that's when his name basically became persona non grata on anything, uh, and understandably so. Um, you know, I think the way that that was handled was probably appropriate, and, you know... Um, yeah. Yeah, that was another he's, you know, he's had to be at the forefront of that stuff as well. Well, and uh, yeah, like you said, you know, this was a period when a lot of people were checking out. Uh I think really it kind of started near the invasion in like 2000s or like 2003, 4, 5. 
um, post Stone Cold, right? Um, Stone Cold left yeah. in what, 2005? Something like that. Maybe yeah. 2003 was his last match. The, the, um, the Rock was getting into Hollywood. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and yeah. Vince will thank uh, The Rock, will th- Dwayne Johnson, as he's known now, will thank him left and right for it. And, um, you know, went on to be the arguably the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah, yeah. One of them, if not like the biggest celebrity besides maybe some political figures but uh definitely one of the most popular people in the world yeah uh so obviously a name we haven't brought up is john cena um Mm -hmm. i guess not much to say about him except that you know vince another product of vince mcmahon um and i don't think he'll allow another guy to get as big as he was as big as cena is you don't think he would allow that anymore? Is it because of this idea that the company is is what matters? It's not the wrestlers; it's the company. I think. I think. And that's of course, when he the, doesn't run the company anymore. But but. Uh, yeah, I I think that's when the mindset changed. Um, was at the you know, Cena was the last guy that they were gonna let get bigger than the company, or I don't even know if you can even say that about Cena. To be honest, I have a, yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, the only way that wrestling does get really popular is when they do have huge stars. So, um, you know, maybe that's not a great idea on his part. But we had. Uh, the... Yeah, I've always had a problem with that, but uh, that's allegedly what they they don't want to. I mean, that could be wrong. I mean, I I could see them coming back with like, why would we not want that to happen? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, of course you want something to be a household name. Well, they've, they've tried, they've tried, uh, and it just hasn't worked. Um, it hasn't, it hasn't really worked with Roman Reigns to the same extent. Um, so after that, there was a storyline with CM Punk and John Laurinaitis. Um, that was in 2011, 2012. And there was his last, like, kind of major storyline was The Authority. And Yeah, and, you know, it wasn't always him, but he would pop up here and there, whether it was... Sporadic appearances a, after that. Sporadic appearances, and that's when I think you can start to see him physically just not looking as well as usual. Obviously, he, his physical body... But his voice started to kind of change, and his eyes started his to get a lot baggier. His voice definitely changed. His voice definitely changed. It's it's a little more quiet now, and like you know, where he had more growl back in the day. Um, so, but I, I, yeah, it just yeah, it got a little more shredded over the years. And I'm sure Vince, as powerful as he is, you know, wishes he could be more powerful than time. But time is. The one thing that he uh, really has doesn't no control do a job, over. right? Or yeah. whatever they say, time is undefeated. Yeah, time doesn't doesn't do a job for anybody. So, and sleep. Vince is no That's different. the other one. Sleep. Like you have no power of sleep. Listen, man. He definitely deprived himself of that stuff for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you probably still will. I mean, they say you sleep less the older you get. So, I can only imagine the dude's probably getting two hours a night at this point. Um. In 2000, so uh, that's kind of like a shorthand history of the, his storylines and him as a performer um, and some of the decisions he's made. 
Um, moving on to more like trivial issues, but interesting things is um, in 2006. So this is years ago, almost 20 years ago, but I still think this was interesting. In 2006, he had a $12 million penthouse in Manhattan, a $40, man- $40 million mansion in Connecticut, which I think he still has, a $20 million vacation home, and a 47-foot yacht. Do you know what the name of the yacht is? Something with money. It is the sexy bitch. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, a little bit of for, foresha- foreshadowing there, right? I guess, yeah. Um, Vince has been noted at $1.1 billion, um, and that was back in 2001. Obviously, mm-hmm. money goes up and down as far as how the stocks perform. Um, in, in 2014, he was down to 750 million, but he, uh, he's up to, he's up to 3.6 billion nowadays, at least. Wow. From 2014? Yeah. I guess that makes sense because the network really did boost them for a while. And then when they, when did they last really boom? What happened when they last, it was, was it the network or was it when they sold the stuff to... What was that recent thing in the last two or three years that made them explode? Uh, well, they had the TV deal with Fox. The TV deal with Fox, right. And then the Saudi Arabia money, right? we we got to cover that as well. Saudi Arabia money, too. So that's like a big deal for investors. Um, when I... and, that, and that is a huge like example of Vince in a nutshell, is making a huge, amazing business deal but doing it with what you can perceive to be the wrong people, right? Like, that's kind of Vince in a nutshell, like that kind of um, business move, where it's like you can say it's the best move for the company and it makes them a lot of money, and how did he do that? But then look who he did it with. I mean, that that is a Vince McMahon move right there. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, yeah. I I agree, man. I'm gonna say this. Um, I don't think he's worth 3.6 billion anymore, because in 2018 the stock popped off at 96 dollars a share, and so mm-hmm. that was uh, like the peak. That's like the highest the stock has ever been. Well, yeah. Um, and now the stock is sitting at about 65, and it is on the way up though. So you know he might be back at 3 billion. But just uh just a quick note on that. That was. They they had a big upsurge in 2018 on their stock, which uh, I'm sure he sold off a, de- a, a enough to you know hedge his bets. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. Actually, I'm I'm looking at the stock now. Like it really popped off in 18, and it looks like it's back on the way up. Um, impressively enough. So, what happened in 18 was when they got the deal with Fox, huh? It must be when they announced it. Um, which just. And like you said, Saudi Arabia too. They started doing that then. So, just a lot of investor faith when you have a guaranteed contract for you know that much money, and then you know on both both ends. So they'll probably be getting another big TV deal very soon here. So uh, it doesn't need to even be said, but yes, he is a very wealthy man, a billionaire. Does not have to worry about money for his lifetime, his children's lifetime, his grandkids. Yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe he'll 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 actually be a grandfather. How about that? 
Well, he is a grandfather. Oh, actually, perform his yeah. duties as a grandfather. Yes, I know. Yes. That's hard to think of, though. I feel like Vince, like, really doesn't vibe with kids. Uh, I just, like, that's a... I bet you he's funny. I, I mean, you know, he seems like a funny guy, but... I mean, he deals with grown men all day long, so... It's hard to think of him, you know, really making kids laugh and stuff. But maybe maybe I'm totally wrong. I bet you, yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, whatever you want to say about him, you know, he does something positive with himself. After oh, for this, sure. So, for sure. You know. Yeah, I agree. Um, another thing is the Republican Party. McMahon uh, and his wife have donated a million in 2014 to candidates. Political action committees, Carl Rove, um, America Rising, like a conservative research and tracking group. Uh, they donated five million to Donald Trump's charity, um, eight million in two thousand eight to give grants to a couple universities. Um, yeah, so right leaning or Republican guys that. Uh, you know, he's done some good philanthropic stuff. Um, that's kind of the vibe of the company nowadays, too. Um, I know that Stephanie McMahon has compared uh, philanthropy to a business move, saying that, like, oh, it's it makes your brand look better, which kind of makes you question, like, the whole, like, why are you doing Intentions. it? Intentions. Yeah. Yeah, well, that and it uh, is a big, giant tax write-off as well. It's not Huge you know, tax write-off. That's for damn sure. Um, they've supported the Special Olympics for years. Very nice. Yeah, so, which is cool. Connor's Cure and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, getting into a little more dark stuff, and we'll, we'll mention this, and then we'll talk about some more funny stuff here. Um, in 92, Rita Chatterton, who was a former referee, uh, noted that... Uh, and she actually said this on Geraldo Rivera's show. Um, she said that McMahon tried to get her to perform oral sex. Um, and when she refused, that he raped her. Uh, a former wrestler corroborated this. Um, I obviously don't know if it's true or not. But with the other allegations coming out, it's possible. So this is kind of the first 92 story that something weird is going on here. Yeah, I mean, if you hear, you know, some of the behavior that he has allegedly been up to, I mean, I guess this would fit the mold for it. So, of course, that woman definitely deserves to be heard, and let's see if there's something, there's probably, you know, none of us can say for sure if there's something to it, but, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising, I guess, I could put it that way. Yeah, um... Yeah, and 92 was a whole different era, too. I mean, so nowadays, this girl would have a platform, but back Mm -hmm. in the day, it was just really different. Um, It would have been literally, he said, he said, she said, in his word. Yeah. And his powerful, you know, lawyers and everything against her. And there is that power dynamic there, and that's one of the biggest parts of these sexual issues is the power dynamic it's like Mm -hmm. well this person might not really want to do this with you but since you're the one in power they might feel inclined yeah exactly they want to say no but they can't say no i mean yeah it's you know very difficult for people of power like that to 
you know, <laughs> their, their, their intimidation of another person is something that is they're oblivious to sometimes. Yeah. Um, in 2006, McMahon was accused of sexual harassment by, and we've heard this story, a worker at a tanning bar. Um, the charge appeared to be wrong because McMahon was in Miami for the Royal Rumble, but it was clarified the alleged incident was reported to police on the day of the Rumble, but took place before the Rumble. So uh, they announced that no charge would be filed. But um, I think this has another another kind of another bit of evidence that kind of points in a direction. Yeah, especially if the things just disappear after a while. I mean, you know, it True. definitely could mean that some money was thrown on at that problem. Oh yeah. So then finally in April um, of this year, the WWE board began investigating a three million dollar hush money settlement that McMahon paid over an affair with a former employee. The investigation re revealed other NDAs related to misconduct by other women in the company and John Laurinaitis, who actually, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, Triple H took John Laurinaitis' job. That's what it seems like. Yeah. yeah. For now. Um, for now. There's going to be a power grab in the company for sure. Is that a demotion for Triple H from what he did before? I don't know. I feel like they're running around with their heads cut off, bro. Like just trying to fit patch holes right now. So wow. I'm sure he does a few things. Um, Cause recently I'd heard that he was like running an XT again. And so I right. just, I just don't know anymore. Um, I think they're also running out of people that want those jobs to be honest with you. Oh God, that's true. God, I just listened to, uh, what's her name? The Australian girl that wrestles. Well, I'm kind Tony of, Storm? I listened to Tony Storm on Renee mm -hmm. Paquette. It was actually not that good to listen to. It was actually getting annoying, but boy, oh boy, did she bury the fuck out of that place and the whole yeah. power structure and everything. Yeah, it was actually kind of annoying to listen to because she kept, kept going on and on about it, and I'm just like, okay, we get it. You didn't like it. Though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was because she wasn't given the right you know, spot and everything, but she didn't really impress me much there yeah so. I, guess, I guess i i can i can kind of agree with that but uh she's better in AEW, but in wwe i felt like i was like oh, i'm not really you know you know impressed with her overall thing but i think it's gotten better since but hey it probably has a lot to do with that crap that she mentioned she she did bring up that like she doesn't like the way they treat the wrestlers there as in you know and this is all comes from vince but like the wrestlers like are treated like paramedics like you're on call and uh i don't know that yeah. that made her uncomfortable she was used to well, being booked what's the like one of the common things you hear about that people say about vince um whether they like him or not is like he'll never ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself <laughs> i can right? see that and i think a lot of people have said that from like jericho to austin to Whatever, but, you know, I just always think of that a few years ago when they had Rob Gronkowski uh, oh, for yeah. WrestleMania or whatever, and he did that jump off himself, and, I mean, that's just crazy uh, for, what, 70-something at the time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I've heard that pretty consistently. Like, he would never ask you to do something that he wouldn't do himself. Um, 
that's not always like the most ad- like yes there's a lot of stuff that he would do that other people would do that's fine would he sign an nda if he was sexually assaulted i think that's apparently he one. would yeah maybe he has we don't know probably for he signed an nda and gave himself money <laughs> he probably did man it's probably happened, but as a result of all this, just a few days ago, or was it just yesterday? The the news broke. Probably the biggest uh, yesterday. The biggest news yeah, in when you listen to this. Yeah, the biggest news in WWE history, from except for probably, um, obviously the incident with Benoit. Um, he stepped down as CEO and chairman of WWE. And he, Permanently. No, he retired, actually. He retired. Yeah, he I'm retired. So, so that he doesn't say anything about creative, but apparently he's retiring. So He says he's retiring. We'll see. Now, that this is where we get into some future speculation. We've talked about this, but Justin and I both are under the opinion that we're not sure if he's actually going to retire. I, you know, from what we hear about Vince, I... I'll, I'll it's hard to imagine. I see it, yeah. It's just not only hard to imagine someone that's been such an integral part of pro wrestling for so long, and someone that has never shown any signs of slowing down, uh, other than maybe not appearing on camera as much, um, or someone that you hear about just being this nonstop tyrant of a, you know, person that running that company, every single thing has to go through him for all of him. For him, all of a sudden, just to come to a screeching halt. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy. And I think, you know, the fact that we started hearing these things come out and they and they took that title of CEO away and you're like, well, I mean, okay, so you won't go on a couple investor phone calls, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still, as long as he's in creative, Vince is running that company. Well, and again, he owns most of the company still. So yeah. unless he so, di- I mean, divests still, himself and moves to you know the Florida Keys or the Bahamas and just lives his life out there um, as a hermit, I just don't. I yeah. still don't believe he's not going to have anything to do with that company. You know, it's like some people grow up, Justin, and they have hobbies like you and me. We we work our job. We do a lot of different stuff. We're into wrestling and all that stuff. Vince McMahon has done one singular thing like right <laughs> they, he and probably doesn't even it. have hobbies except working out and he's done it to, to the absolute maximum effort and uh dedication whether that's good or bad for his himself and his family he, uh he knows nothing but this so yeah so it is and it is, you hear about those people they retire and then like I, in a year or two they they die they're in perfect yeah. health. They retire, and then once they lose that purpose, yeah, or they just they just deteriorate, and that's it for them. Like it's like as bad as losing a loved one. Yeah, you I mean, you lose your purpose. And I could see that. Ha- unfortunately, I could probably see that happening to him. Hopefully, you know. Yeah, it, it it's wild. It's really wild that this is going on. We're gonna figure all this out. Um, Vince was a vital part. In the production of these shows, along with someone named Kevin, um, Sol- Kevin, Kevin Sullivan. Um, oh man, uh, Kevin Dunn, right? Kevin Dunn. I'm getting, wow, I'm getting all sorts a, of names mixed up. It, it makes, took a little while to get to his name, and of course, he's one of those infamous guys uh, in the company as well. 
Which there's like wondering. no pictures of him online. There's like two pictures of him on the internet, by the way. Very private enough, guy. Enough for, uh, you know, uh, Jim Cornette to call him a beaver teeth or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People that actually work with him make fun of him. He has claimed that he will never work with anybody except Vince McMahon. So we'll see where that goes too. Honestly, I would fucking love to see the cameras not shake anymore. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, well, that's a Kevin Dunn thing. So. That's what I'm saying. That's why I hope yeah. Vince is leaving. Maybe let's Kevin Dunn leave as well. So um, production. Um, okay. I've heard people say that there were changes on Friday night already. Did you hear about that? No. What kind of changes? They said the word wrestling and pro wrestling. Really? Yeah. Um, huh. They said that um, Michael Cole seemed a lot more relaxed. That's right. You don't have him yelling in their ear. Yeah. That's one thing I, I might watch just to notice the commentary. I, I've actually heard that, like, I've heard a few people say they think Michael Cole will become a, a much better commentator. Oh, no, I remember what they said, They and they didn't say WWE Universe. Michael Cole said the fans. He actually said the phrase, the fans. Mm-hmm. So He might be the one that feels the most relief out of anyone. Well, it's true. I mean, Vince is no, known he, for having Michael. yes men around, and Michael Cole is like an ultimate yes man to Vince. I don't, I don't know. No, I've heard him kind of wise off to him, but I, I think that he's the one that has to be just has to do whatever he says, right? Because he's the one getting yelled at, and then he can't. You know what I mean? Have you heard the story of when Pat McAfee wore shorts to WrestleMania? Uh-uh. And, like, Michael Cole was like, you can't be wearing those, and he snitched on him to Vince. And <laughs> like, Vince was fine with it, right? Vince was like, oh, it looks cool. Right. But I've heard, have you heard the, there's a, you know, there's a famous clip of, uh, Michael Cole not agreeing with something with Vince, and then Vince just starts yelling at him. He's like, yes, sir. Okay. Okay. That's what I was so saying, So there are dude. times where he, yeah, he wises off to him here and there. But no, I think you'll see him much more. I have and, seen and, that there's video, There's been times, the um, yeah, and there was, you know, remember from, what was it, 2015 when they did that Beast in the East show? Mm-hmm. Um, in Japan with... Uh, that was a good show. And Michael Cole was great in commentary with that. Because he didn't have Vince yelling at him the whole time. Yeah, I mean, imagine Michael Cole being his own boss in a way, you know. Obviously, he'll have a boss, but it'll be a little more like uh, someone like Excalibur who just says what's off the top of his mind. And JR, who is, you know, that could be good or bad for Jim Ross. But, uh, you know, uh, we've we've heard Michael Cole do some good commentating, but his language is so rigid. That, but that's a Vince thing, man. I mean, so, he's got to be at this point Michael Cole as well, without the exception of maybe Kevin Dunn, maybe Triple H, maybe Stephanie, depending on when she started. But he's one of the longest tenured people in the company now. Oh I yeah, mean, he was before since he was he's a skinny little five. skinny little Michael Cole, probably younger than I am now. Back in started in '97 or '98 there, so that puts him him and Kevin pretty Kelly high up on that seniority totem pole. Kevin Kelly was like started; he was there in like '98 to 2000 or something like that, 2001. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin 
Kevin. Kind of a trip. I, I in my head I see Michael Cole in that long sleeve WWE shirt, like black shirt with, with like jacket. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, but there's already like I said some changes happening, and I'm sorry, I, it wasn't that they said wrestling, that they said fans, which they were not supposed to say that word. They're always supposed to say WWE universe, and that's another mm. Vince McMahonism changing the language, right? Um, yes. There's no such thing as a hospital. Uh, no, don't say belt. It's a title. Belts medical hold up facility, your pants. Right. Medical facility, yeah. sports entertainment, WWE Universe. So um, pretty crazy stuff. Let's get into a few of the quirks um, of more funny stuff of Vince McMahon, and then um, we will we will let y'all go. Um, Vince versus sneezing. What do you know about that? Vince does not like when you sneeze or you sign, you show any signs of illness. Yawning, I think, would be a bad one, too. Yawning, coughing. Coughing, yeah. Being hungry. And he believes it is a lack of self-control. <laughs> Which is funny because yeah. it's an involuntary thing, dude. And, and you know, if you're sick, you're, you're just weak. You're weak, yeah. Um, do you know Vince has sneezed? Did you know that? He's had to have. He's a human being. And supposedly when he sneezes, he angrily mutters to himself and loses focus for a few minutes. Sure. Sounds like he's making the sneeze thing harder than it really is. <laughs> I mean... Um, I've also heard Vince talk about cheat days. Um, he has this idea that like on a cheat day you can eat whatever you want and when you're working out and stuff that the the all that bad food will just like go right through your body and and you're totally fine um he's claimed that you know on his cheat day he'll eat like a whole box of oreos and in his opinion it just like it doesn't your body doesn't absorb it or anything he's so healthy that it all just gets exuded from his body so very interesting mcmahonism there um well he didn't know what a burrito was i heard he didn't know what a burrito was yeah i heard that story where like you know someone was like eating a burrito he's like what is that it's a burrito and i guess he literally eats that every day because he has like a steak wrap or whatever oh okay someone's mentioned something about a burrito and he's like why don't you tell everyone what a burrito is (laughs) man that's that's part of the thing when you are doing that job for that long and that's your whole life probably doesn't get out a whole lot and you know i've heard it mentioned before oh you like comedy we have santino who andrew santino no you know oh santino morella yeah 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 um vince once was driving on the same road as court bauer did you hear this one go ahead tell it and he started racing Court Bauer. He he boxed Court boxed in Court to make Court Bauer head straight to a construction site. Is that when Bauer was a rider? Yeah, yeah. And Court Bauer had to slam on the brakes to avoid slamming into the construction site, and Vince sped off, laughing probably, he, he, laughing that he almost killed someone. What, I wonder what kind of car did Court Bauer have? Did he? They probably had a nice one. He was making WWE money. I guess. Maybe he had like uh, a Porsche or something like that, you know? Hmm. Or maybe like a Mustang, a high-end Mustang. 
Um, CM Punk tells a story when he, The Undertaker, JBL, Edge, and Vince all had a, had to room together when they were doing tribute to the troops. So they got to room with Vince. And Punk couldn't sleep because everyone was snoring, right? Mm-hmm. Except for Vince, who would re- all night long fart and then laugh. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I never heard. Where did he tell that story? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he told it, but this is all from that that great Twitter thread of stories of Vince McMahon. And this is something I'm gonna say. This man, Vince, has done some fucked up stuff. I and I've heard Vince. Uh, I've heard Jericho say this: is that he is like, he's a lad deep down. He's one of the boys mm-hmm. deep down. And I could kind of see that. Yeah, I could kind of see that because. Um, if you see him interacting with some wrestlers, you hear some pretty funny stuff, and he's just acting like one of the guys. And I, I definitely think, you know, maybe this probably doesn't apply to the women, too, unless they're one of the guys as well, like maybe Lita might have been. But uh, he seems like he wants to be one of the guys. What, what did I hear? Oh, I thought I heard something else that was kind of funny about that. But you've seen that one where uh, Seth Rollins goes backstage and, uh, you know, claps you know, hugs Vince McMahon, and they're saying stuff like, oh, Vince says something like, oh, you need to fucking do this, and then uh, Seth says, no, you need to fucking, something like that, you know, and they're <laughs> just fucking with each other, and it, it was pretty, it was actually uh, pretty funny. Here's another good one. Jim Cornette was at Vince's house, and Vince had somebody from the cable company working on the TV because the sound was broken. The mm-hmm. cable guy came up to Vince and explained to him what a mute button was and that the mute was on. Vince gave him a $100 tip. <laughs> I can see so, that, too. Yeah. Uh, almost like that really smart dude who's really just lacking common sense in a way. Or just misses the outside, you know. It's like someone that's been in jail for a long time and they come out and then they have cell phones. Yeah. He's so, he's so like locked in with his company that he knows no other things knows no other things maybe he'll sit around watching wrestling man he can catch up on some aew now right yeah we'll see um shit does this mean does this mean that he is for hire as a performer hmm of course. You can probably DM him to book him. Yeah, is he going to be about bookings at, you know, Vince at Hotmail.com? Oh, he's, yeah, absolutely. He's going to be doing signings at the Colorado Springs Comic Con. Yeah, he'll be at Frankenson's out here. He'll go to the <laughs> Wrestling Guy store. Hell yeah, um, man. You know, he'll be uh, at the local comic shop. He'll be at, he'll be at Comic Con. Be doing the indie circuit, you know, doing signings. So we'll see him sitting ringside at PWG or GCW. He'll be one of the fans, you know, chanting along with them. So, uh, you, the you know, possibilities he, are endless. You know, Vince has talked a lot of shit about UFC. Did you know that? Not really. I haven't really heard. Yeah, he, but I'm not he, surprised. I guess he would make the claims that, like, you know. Those fighters are all going to have brain damage in a year and stuff like that, you know? Well, everyone's going to have brain damage, but yeah, that's probably true. Did you know he was at the recent UFC show? Not today's, but like uh, No, he last was. Month's? He was yeah. sitting with uh, Triple H, Stephanie, and Nick Khan, I believe. Yeah, so. While Triple H, while uh, Jim Ross and uh, 
Tony Khan were adjacent. Really? Yeah, they were all there at the same thing in Vegas. Wow. Well, um, look, look to our listeners, we're talking lightly, and you know, we we're talking. Uh, is that a Dr Pepper? That looks pretty good. It was. Uh, we're talking lightly about a lot of this stuff. Justin and I take these allegations very seriously. And uh, yeah. I'm sure we have our own opinions on what Vince should have done. and uh, But, you know, right now we're, we talked about what he did. His life, who he was, who he is, and what it's going to become. And I think that's a fascinating story, Justin, of who he's going to become. Is he going to be this this Antonio Inoki type guy now who just rarely ever shows his face? It's all very interesting. Um, but whether you like him or not, like I've said before, one of the most important people, if not the most important people in the wrestling business the brains um and at least the person who approved the brains and hired the brains behind multiple big huge booms and the creation of multiple mainstream stars in the business um really there will be no other person like vince mcmahon um he is one of a kind do you have any final thoughts on vince i i think we started with it polarizing the the biggest moments the most you know pivotal moments the uh down the most down moments the most violent moments vince has been pretty much a part of has been in the equation of all of those um even up to this you know he's had scandals he's had triumphs i mean you can't really think of anyone in any profession that has been such a part of everything i mean yeah. When you think of the film industry, when you think of baseball, when you think of, you know, whether it's which, another which sport. Which Vince McMahon or, has been part of the film industry, too. Yeah, I, you won't find one person solely identified with one, I mean, you know, we could talk about Babe Ruth with baseball, but that was such a, that wasn't 40 year span of him you know being on you know obviously his legacy lives on forever but um it, it, it would be like imagine if Babe Ruth is a player he owned the Yankees mm-hmm. he also owned five other teams and he had anything to do with baseball so and he helped um, create the next legendary players and you know uh yeah there's no it's a, it's hard to even compare uh wrestling's a unique business in itself and yeah it's hard to compare to others, and so it's it's hard to compare. But it would we'll be s- like if Elon Musk ran the entire car industry, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, and, and own ninety five percent of the shares, or ninety five percent of the market share. Yeah, ninety nine percent of the market share. I don't think the world allows for another person to. Well, I mean, you got your Jeff Bezos and all that stuff, but I mean. For yeah, someone to, it's just, a, he grew it himself, and then he's been through that. Like, yeah, it's just polarizing. Yeah, I mean, that's it, the, really the only way to end it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drone on too much if I go any further, but that's the, the, what it is. The, the key word is polarizing. So we got Okada and Tonga and Finley versus, looks like, Jay, Juice, and Ghetto. So it's time to go watch some of this. Yeah, we're we're uh, a little bit ways away from Yuji Row and let's see, we'll say the format. Well, it doesn't matter because people are going to be listening to this afterwards. But well, um, I just know that we got. Uh, is it Naito Tanahashi tonight? That's the main. Yeah. That's 
that should be awesome. So yeah, I'll, I'll probably watch a little bit now and then pick up the rest in the morning. Cool. No shame in that, right? No shame in that, guys. Vince, Mc- this has been wrestling and Vince McMahon. Uh, thank you to you had a guy comment on on our uh, post. Oh, I saw that. What was his Somebody name? Do you pre- remember his name? Let's hold on. We should have brought that up at the beginning. Show. We got two follows. I'm uh, on here now. Two more follows. Yeah. Well. Somebody said, "Oh, Luchador Comics. Luchador, Luchador underscore Comics." Yes. Thank you. Thank you. We really appreciate that. We we really yeah. enjoy the engagement, and uh, that's exactly what we're looking for. So I love hearing that from Luchador Comics. Thank you. Love it. Keep up the great work. We appreciate that. And then the other and comment then, was just a marketing person. Yeah, DM us at vintage.records. I, all they needed was my social, and apparently we're on our way after that. <laughs> oh, my God. All they need is my social and some other, you know, my credit card information, and we're going we're gonna to get this. Do you get messages like that a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Boost your followers, that kind of thing. I would only trust it if it was like a super hot, if I was a super hot chick. Because then people are like, you know, model, be a model. But anyways, that's neither here nor there. Justin, thank you for doing this show with me. You guys, all listeners, thank you. We actually went two hours and 18 minutes. Uh, Vince Mm. McMahon, had a long life. Um, So yeah, we will see you guys later. Good night. Thank you.